This episode of Video Game Apocalypse is brought to you by Audible, and you listeners can go to audibletrial.com slash lasertime and get started with a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial. Everybody, welcome to episode oh. 231 of Vidge Game Apocalypse. I am way too loud, apparently, and also your host, Michael Raparez. Uh, Who else is joining me here in the Tyler Wilde Memorial Studio? Uh, Christopher with big, big news for today's show. Oh, okay. You, you know who... Do you have a last name? or uh, Christopher Antista. <laughs> oh, okay. And I saw Ann Lewis today for the <gasps> yeah. first time in, in like the a year. The hell? Yeah. The Ann Lewis. I uh, also saw that particular person. Uh, Who else uh, is talking? <laughs> Who's there Dave, Dave Rudden, back after a record one episode absence. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never guess where we saw her, which we'll be able to talk yeah. about here on a later date. And we have a very special guest Even specialer! Yay! Hey. <laughs> it's me! Hi. Hi, who, who is this? I'm Walt Williams. Walt Williams! Walt Williams! Out, I think. Author of Significant Zero, coming out this Friday on... Actually, next Tuesday. Oh, next uh, Tuesday. Next oh, Tuesday. damn it! <laughs> this Tuesday. A Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> Amazon said September 19th? At, at least is, something comes out on Tuesday. That, okay. that is next Tuesday. That is oh, next Tuesday. well, I'm bad at dates. Yeah. Bad at everything. <laughs> anyway, we've got a fun show, and I promise there will be a top five this episode, but first, I wanted to talk to you. You are not only the author of Significant Zero, you are the... The writer or one of the writers of Spec Ops The Line? Yes, as lead writer in Spec Ops The Line. Oh my uh, god. Of multiple writers. And uh, also most recently, uh, uh, one of the writers on Star Wars Battlefront Huh? Three. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like a normal war <laughs> set um, around a star. Just Only one, one star? though. Just one star. Huh, because There's a lot in the sky, but that's just that's just normal. That's oh, background man. stars. Really all about one star. They don't they don't like call it Sun War or anything no, in no, the no. universe. Okay. I it's, yeah. I promise <laughs> I, I promised I wouldn't talk about destiny, but the story elements people yes and two did enhance my perception of that oh. pro- Well, interesting characters. I didn't realize they didn't really have any and they were dry as shit and it became really, really fun. And I think uh, people were, what, upset that Star Wars didn't have a proper campaign or any the kind of storyline for yes. Battlefront? Mm-hmm. They didn't. Well, mm-hmm. so interesting story. Mm-hmm. This is how I ended up coming to write this game. Mm. I got the call from EA Motive, like, hey, would you like to write Star Wars? No. And, well, here's the thing. <laughs> Being the man that I was, I said, I don't know that I can. I might huh. have to say no. Because here's the thing. on the, the When they wanted me to start was going to be about two weeks before my child was born. And if you've had a kid, you know that two weeks before your child is supposed to be born could be the week your child child is born, born. or even the week after your child was born. (laughs) And they were going to need me in Canada. So my pregnant wife would be alone in Oakland possibly going into labor while I'm on the other side of the continent. Are you just, but Star Wars. <laughs> well, yes, I'm like, but, but at the same time, like, I'm gonna, you know, I decided to have a kid, gotta mm-hmm. be responsible. Uh, and they're like, well, just think about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's fair. I will think about it. I, mm-hmm. I won't say absolutely no right now. Tell my wife about it. That afternoon, we go to the doctor to get an ultrasound. We're sitting in the waiting room. I'm flipping through t- uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. being, you know, a supportive husband mm-hmm. by just reading the internet. And I see a tweet from John Boyega to Mm -hmm. EA. Hey, where's my Star Wars Battlefront campaign? Mm. And I just hand the phone over to my wife and she looks (laughs) at it and she goes, 
you have to write stories. Yeah, Finn asked. Finn wants you to write him a story. And I was like, you're, you're right. I don't think I can but that's, say no. But you're, if I'm, I don't know that much about two, Battlefront 2, but it's... There's a campaign, there's a story, but they're new characters? Yes, they yeah. are. We are following Inferno Squad, mm-hmm. which is uh, the Empire's elite special forces unit that was created after the explosion of the first Death Star to combat the Rebel Force. Mm. And uh, the main character who you're playing uh, is uh, Commander Aiden Verzio, played by the absolutely phenomenal Janina Gavankar. Uh, Gavankar, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, and... Um, who just brings such a wonderful life to the role. And it's about seeing the Empire in a way that we've never really experienced them before. Not Because when you think about the movies, we're really only seeing the top of the Empire. Those people that are fully aware of what it is. Yeah. They're totally bought into the corruption of it and the evil of it. But like this is a huge galactic organization that came into the galaxy at a time when everything had been torn apart by the Clone Wars. Yeah. There were just innocent people on planets looking for peace and stability. And the Empire came in and said, we're going to stop this fighting. We're going to end this war. We're going to get rid of the corrupt Jedi, and we're going to bring peace. We're going to bring order to the galaxy again. And there were people who had absolutely no reason to doubt that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yes, the Empire is going to be a good thing. And you have this whole new generation of people who are born into this mentality, who see the Empire as something good. And then you have the rebels coming in as these terrorists, attacking what they believe are peaceful planets and peaceful institutions. Mm-hmm. And seeing Star Wars from that side of the story, someone who would have grown up in the Empire and possibly had a completely different view of it as we've seen it as, from the audience watching yeah. it through Luke's eyes or Leia's eyes and Han's eyes. And for us, like me and my co-writer Mitch Dyer and... Mitchie D. Mitchie D. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful team up at EA Motive, mm-hmm. like getting to explore Star Wars from this angle has been just... It's been super interesting and rewarding for us and also allowed us to tell a story that I think is going to be very different than uh, what people are expecting yeah. when they come into this because we just haven't really been there yet. But, in, but like, it's that mandate post-Disney that everything's canon. Yes. So these, you are writing part of the yeah. no shit. This is just the Star Wars universe. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> one of the, one of the the things I wanted to propose is because the extended fiction did a for a while before Disney was making consistent Star Wars movies, and I do I think Rogue One made that scenario more palatable on a mainstream level. People do want to see the stuff in between Absolutely. Star Wars. I mean, I guess I always was interested, uh, not enough to pick up a book. But always sort of interested. But it reminded me of uh, video games in general fleshed out some of the characters that the movies kind of dusted aside. Yeah. Like I, when I hear people talk about Darth Maul, like my experience is episode one of him getting jobbed out mm-hmm. and in like one scene. Whereas like in the games and novels, he has an extended presence. Yeah. And gets to hang out for a little while longer. And then I thought of Dash and Dark. <laughs> hey, wait, dude, what? It was like we talked about it in thirty twenty ten and ninety six. That was like. A relaunch of Star Wars, yeah. essentially through video yeah. games, and so like it had an accompanying book, yep. or something, it and merchandise, and it seemed so legit, and it just seemed like um, I, I think Star Wars is sort of slowly ramping up its game presence with a big game like Battlefront. So yes. I just thought it was neat that to, that that games are allowed to give exclusive characters to this product, and they I don't know they might be acknowledged somewhere else. If you saw Rogue One, like. Those are ca- some that Force Whitaker's characters from the Clone Wars cartoon. Really? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So it's like they can get acknowledged elsewhere. So this character might have to be a prequel. Well, actually, technically, you've already met Aiden Verzi. Really? She should I know, should I know is this already? the first Tie Fighter pilot that you see in the Battle of Yavin in New Hope. 
Oh shit! And oh, she, wow. aside from Darth Vader, I haven't seen it, but I, the, I'm sure it's great. Yeah, it is, <laughs> it's this great little indie movie um, <laughs> that really just kind of changed the game for what you could do. Um, it's a character piece, period. You know, yeah. long time ago, far away. Um, but she, she is the only. Uh, so we had a, a novel came out about mm-hmm. a month ago by the absolutely amazing Christy Golden, who's written a bunch of Assassin's Creed novels, uh, World of Warcraft novels. Uh, and she wrote uh, the prequel novel called Inferno Squad, which came out uh, in July, I believe, mm. that sets up uh, these characters and the world they're in, how they come to be. And it starts off at the end of the battle, at the end of New Hope, and we see that Aiden is this... Uh, uh, her and Darth Vader are the only two pilots who survive that mm. explosion because she happens to be outside the blast radius having chased the rebel, some of the rebel ships away. Um, and so she witnesses at the beginning of Battlefront 2, she's there, you know, Inferno Squad's on Endor. This is the only, per- one of the only people who survived and has witnessed two Death Star destructions in their life. Mm. And like, this does such a number on her mentally and emotionally. That's where this character picks up when you're taking over for her in the game. And, um, but yeah, we, we didn't know, mm-hmm. Mitch and I did not know that Aiden was in A New Hope until someone posted a YouTube video comparing the film to the opening chapter of the book and like he sends it over to me and I'm like shit dude <laughs> like does does this mean we just retroactively created Star Wars yeah, I think so yeah. holy shit cause we are owed some royalty payments like big time George Lucas needs to give you all of his money you know what I'm not greedy I'll take I only need a single billion. I don't need more. <laughs> yeah. Only one. A permanent parking space in that beautiful con- uh, complex in Presidio. Oh, my well, God. It's to, the most beautiful place, I, isn't it? I have to ask, if I ever was able to write something Star Wars related, I think my first instinct would be to put myself in it in some form. Did you like have that temptation <laughs> or act on it? Um Yes and no. I mean, you can always... It's like some guy writing the simulation for the TIE Fighters. I don't have enough time! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there's a part of you that kind of hopes that, like, maybe Lucasfilm will like what you did enough that one day you'll get an email and be like, Hey, man, um, so we won't fly you there, but, like, if you can get yourself to London, like, next week, we'll put a Stormtrooper helmet on and stick it in the back of the camera. (laughs) Like, yay! Okay, I'll be there. Um, But... There, I think there there was at one point a character in the game where, because uh, that's the thing in Star Wars, everyone gets a name. Yeah. Yep. You're on frame for half a second holding an ice cream maker. <laughs> you get a name and an action figure. Eventually. Somebody's got to feed Wikipedia. Is and he? so we had a character that we, we were finishing up the script, and there was a character in the beginning like, like, oh, shit, we just call this guy Captain. We need to give him a name. And we're like, okay, what is the best combination of Mitch Dyer and Walt Williams <laughs> that we can come up with? And it was terrible. And, um, <laughs> it was like there is just no way to merge either yeah. both of those names. So was it Witch Dillion? It actually was very close. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> it was very close. Um, so is, is there an official rubric for coming up with Star Wars names? Like, so no, there mm-hmm. is not. There are multiple ways. Um, uh, I have three different methods that I use. One is I take a name of someone I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I flip around the letters in their first name. Uh, to uh, let's say Mike, mm-hmm. I might ki- call him uh, Kaimi. I'll just Kaimi? flip it around. R Kimai, oh. and mm-hmm. then uh, R, and then for his last name, let's say last name is Martin. I'll just flip the first and the last letter, so you get Kimai Nartim. 
Oh, and wow. Now you've got a Star Wars name. Or my more common way, and this is how I name characters pretty much in everything, is I look at what's currently on my desk. <laughs> and and then I'm like, let's see. I had a sandwich for lunch, and I have Sara Lee bread. Uh, what can we do with Debra? Yeah, Debra. That's the name. Sweet. And um, That's why they never accepted my spec script with uh, Hitler Lovato. <laughs> well, you it wasn't, know, wasn't Star I, Wars. I can't wait enough. for the boss battle against Darth Stapler. <laughs> well, okay, so it's interesting that you brought up Darth right there because the third way is to go with a name uh. that perfectly encapsulates the character mm. in the most obvious way possible, such as Darth Maul. Yeah. Maul Grievous. being bad. <laughs> Grievous being very mm-hmm. great. Like, exactly. So, like, there are... Evan Sleesbaganome. The joke... Well, you know, like, Nine Noob... It's uh, Ellen Sleesbaganome. Uh, um, nine Noob was shortened from number nine. Because it was the number nine character design. Yeah. And they just shortened it to number nine and then flipped it in Nine Noob. And switched oh. the letters around. I always make the joke that we should have named uh, just some random character uh, Karak Tour. Uh, with, like, just K's and T-U-R. Oh. <laughs> And like, because that's the, once it's spelled a weird way, and you throw a couple of apostrophes, and they're like, "Oh!" And then, like, twenty years later, someone's like, "Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> He's a character." Um, so those are all the different ways you can go with Star Wars names. Um, they're all pretty fun. And then sometimes you're just like, "I'm going to throw out a random sound that kind of sounds like a Star Wars name," <laughs> and hopefully, yeah. Lucas will like it. And uh, and then they go, "Well, let us compare that to our spreadsheet <laughs> of every name we've." Oh no! How do you do that? Someone randomly shouted that name <laughs> in the background of a scene in Return of the Jedi in a hangar, so he exists already. He owned a farm. We wrote an entire short story about him. He's five foot in six Star Wars and he's been here's, here's a binder on uh, all of his character traits oh, and family members. Yeah, it's it, the amount of information that the Lucasfilm Story Group has to maintain both in their head and in some kind of researchable form. Mm-hmm boggles my mind when I think about it and I can't even imagine having because because they're working with us on our story mm-hmm. but they're also working with everyone, everyone else on else. everyone else's story mm-hmm. and they're also having to keep in mind all of the stories that have already been told mm-hmm. and they're thinking about EU stuff because mm-hmm. they're like oh well that should do that kind of showed up in the courtship of Princess Leia do we want to bring <laughs> that back even though it's a totally it's different a great thing sitcom. <laughs> yes uh, and so it's amazing what they and and for them to be able to do it so effortlessly mm-hmm. and to be such wonderful collaborators. I've never honestly, I've never worked on a project like this before that has been this fun, mm-hmm. this energetic, and this positive from start to finish. And that is entirely due to the amazing team of Motive and just the wonderful, wonderful people, Lucas. And this sounds like the kind of thing that everyone <laughs> says, mm-hmm. like when they're promoting. But like, I'm being deadly serious. Like, I have made friends at Lucasfilm. Uh, that I want to be friends with for life because these are just like great people. Yeah. That uh, you know they and uh, the crazy thing you're working with them and you realize even if they've been at Lucasfilm for like decades, mm-hmm. these are people just like us who are like yeah. coming to work every day. And go, holy shit! I get to work <laughs> on Star Wars. I need to bring my A game when you every day when you get a well organized gr- like company that's populated by fans. It's it's very it's very awesome. It is. Yes, and and, and not. I didn't know because what's the book called again? Significant Zero. Significant Zero mm-hmm. out uh, on Amazon this September nineteenth, Tuesday. This Tuesday, <laughs> um, I I knew you were coming on, and I meant to read the book, but I was out of town. It's okay. Uh, but that you wrote Spec Ops: The Line. I did, and that I don't know that that game. Well, I, I think other than uh, it, it, it's a 
it's a book about writing for games oh, and sorry, how yeah. you got into that particular line of work. And, and I think probably other than how do you become a games journalist, probably the most frequently asked question is how do you become a writer for video games? And in your case, a lot of it seems to be misery and elbowing your way into things. Mm-hmm. Yes. So much like being any type of writer, <laughs> uh, misery <laughs> is a prerequisite. Um you don't have to keep it forever, but you're gonna need it to get through the door. Um, it's I had I fell into writing games very backwards. Um, I wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Okay, actually, hold on, let's take a step back. I wanted to be a Southern Baptist preacher for the Air Force. Okay, yeah, yes, it's a good place to start, right? <laughs> um, that lasted two weeks. I signed a contract uh, to have the Air Force pay for my college. Got to college, discovered booze, drugs, and ladies, and Jesus and I decided to have a mutual split. And just to get out of the Air Force, just pretend you can't do a pull-up and pretend you're really gay. Well, here's the thing. Once you sign that contract, they don't care. So oh, really? God and I were done, but the Air Force, my body was theirs. So I still had to go in when I graduated. But I had this idea that, like, I could major in anything. Mm-hmm. And if the Air Force, you know, I could be pre-med, and if the Air Force like, we need personnel officers mm-hmm. you're pushing a desk buddy. we need we need star wars writers exactly <laughs> i'm caught if only um <laughs> i would be so good now after they kick me out <gasps> spoiler um but so i was like i'll just do film because mm-hmm. i like movies that'll mm-hmm. be fun uh and then while at college i got i found a, there was a secret organization so i went to baylor university waco texas mm-hmm. um largest southern baptist university in it's what Waco is most famous for yes it is <laughs> and nothing else <laughs> nothing else not one thing <laughs> um and uh, so all of my friends ended up being people who went to Baylor, um, took a look around, and immediately should have transferred to another college, but mm-hmm. was but were too lazy to do so. Um, and so we were all just there. And we heard about this secret organization. They've been around for like 80 years. They're called the Nose Brothers. No one knows who they are. They hide their identity under Groucho Marx glasses, wigs, beards, elaborate costumes. They occasionally make appearances, do elaborately weird pranks on campus. Uh, and then sporadically publish a satirical newspaper lampooning the administration, different things going on, and I'm like, holy shit, that's for me. <laughs> yeah. That That is my college. I want this wow. so badly. And what you had to do is you had to write a submission, and I promise all of this is ex- explaining to how mm-hmm. I got to write spec ops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you had to write a submission, go to the back of a church at, a, at like 9 p.m. at night on a certain night, Find a guy holding a torch, throw your submission in the garbage can, and sometime in the next 12 hours you might get a call. Like a ransom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this sounds I'm, like a fetch quest in a game, by yeah, the way. It really does. Like, <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> so the submission I wrote had to be a, uh, a book report on a fictional book, including quotes and work cited from uh, external sources. So I wrote a book report on Itty Bitty Bang Bang, the soft and seedy world of midget pornography, <laughs> uh, which now that I write books, I'm thinking I really need to make that a reality. <laughs> um, such an interesting topic. Um, and I got a phone call. Indoor. I got a phone call. <laughs> and then from there, I can't really remember what happened. Oh, God. You're going to do that to us. I have you're to. You're going to be more coy it's about a, this than Lucasfilm. It's a secret society. Uh, but I got in, because what's you know what's the point in being in a secret society if you can't brag about it? Um, and that like I had always written as a kid, but like working uh, on this paper and being the editor of this paper for a while and doing this for years, and like I was a terrible student, mm-hmm. but I was an amazing writer. Mm-hmm. Like that got all of my time and love, and I began learning to write screenplays 
and got into writing like short stories and really looking at wanting to do books and comics and all this stuff so that when uh, the Air Force kicked me out six months before graduating mm-hmm. and I realized I no longer had a definite job, uh, I called up my parents. I was like, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to be a writer, <laughs> which is something as a new parent, I can tell you, a parent never wants to hear. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so terrified that in 18 years, my daughter is going to say to me, I'm going to be just like you, Daddy. I'm going to be like, but I wanted you to be happy. <laughs> um, so I moved to New York uh, with my significant other at the time. She's going to grad school. I'm like, I'm going to go write comics for Marvel Comics uh, or DC. Mm-hmm. And everything I know about life up to this point, I've learned from watching 80s films and TV shows. So I put on a suit, print out a resume, and just walk my ass into Marvel Comics <laughs> office. Take a cab to Midtown. And by the way, it is terrifying how easy it was for me to do wow. this. I should have been stopped in the lobby. <laughs> well, the, the suit Got in the same bathroom as Stanley. I, I agree. I think the suit helps. <laughs> yeah. I was walking. If you're wearing a dirty yeah. Doctor Doom shirt, I mean... Exactly. Like, I clearly looked like I must have been there. Yeah. Uh, like, I should have been there. But still, when I look back at it, I'm like... <sighs> I bet you can't do that now that they have the Marvel Cinematic yeah, straight Universe. straight to Stanley. Hi, yeah. how are you? I'd love to read you submissions. Get this guy out of my office. Dear God. I wish I had gotten Stan. Instead, I got the boat, this muscle-bound guy in a wife beater who like half opens the door and is like, what do you want? I'm like, hi, I'm Walt Williams. Uh, I just wanted to uh, bring my resume by because I am super interested in working for Marvel Comics. And uh, I am a hard worker. I'm a fast learner, and I'm willing to pay my dues. I'll even start at the bottom and work up from the mailroom. I'm the mailroom. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just leave my resume here with you, and you can pass it on to whoever you need to. It was great meeting you again. My name's Walt Williams. I've still not heard back. It's been 12 years. You, never you, know. you have a Stanley name, though. Like, it's an alliterative yeah. name. Holy, okay, yeah. holy shit. So here's the thing. When I was writing Spec Ops, uh-huh. I was having an argument with someone else on the team because I wanted to name one of the characters, Alfonso Adams. Because uh-huh. it was after someone I've been in the Air Force with. And he's like, I don't know, man. I think people whose first and last names start with the same letter, I don't think that's very believable. <laughs> and I just lean across the desk and I'm like, who are you talking to right yeah. now? And he's like, oh. Happened to me. I was like, yeah. Who's producer on the game? Melissa Miller. Who's my boss? Greg Gobi. And I'm like... I hope he's about to give in, because yeah. right now, the only other names I have are Stanley characters. I will straight up pull up <laughs> Peter Parker and Bruce Banner and pray to God he doesn't read comics. But yeah. he was like, okay, I guess you're right. Yes, that worked. <laughs> um, so, I don't get into Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I start running out of money in my savings. Uh, and I'm like, okay, there's a couple of Nose Brothers in New York who were, were working on the paper 10 years before I even got to college. I'll call them up, meet them at a bar, just see if they can give me any leads. Mm-hmm. They bring their roommate from college. Uh, who wasn't in the group, but lived with them, so knew all about it. And he's like, I'm like, you know, talking to them, like, what are you doing? He's like, uh, I'm the hiring manager at Take-Two Interactive. You've never heard of it. But uh, <laughs> we own Rockstar, and they make Grand Theft Auto, and I'm pretty sure you've heard of that. I'm like, yes, I have. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, well, we've got this new company, 2K. You've never heard of them either, because they're new, but they're hiring. And, you know, like, they have some entry-level positions. Why don't you send me your resume? Maybe there'd be something that fits. Uh, so I do, and, you know, a couple weeks later, he's like, yeah, come in, interview for this thing. It's like a in in beginning like a game production kind of position where it 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 was called game analyst which sounds like QA but it wasn't QA mm-hmm. it was more about like getting creative feedback versus like bug feedback uh and like doing competitive analysis against other games mm-hmm. um basically like a constant focus tester who also uh carried all the heavy boxes like that kind of a thing uh and I was like shit yeah I'll do that till my writing career takes off <laughs> and they were, and and someone in two K is like, wait, seriously, we have 
a guy who knows how to write that we're paying an entry-level salary and we don't have to hire any more like <laughs> external people for too much make him review the scripts <laughs> and I'm just like I will gladly do that anything to prove that you should let me write a game and five years of bugging them and doing that and proving that I didn't lie do in you my remember interview some of the scripts um, so the first game I ever did any writing for mm-hmm. that made it into the game was the Family Guy game. Yes! Uh, <laughs> PS2 era? Yes. Yeah. Family Guy, colon, the game, exclamation point. Yeah. Um, I have... How did that get That's past? how you know it's good. Yes. <laughs> I wrote... I did a full rewrite of the script um, without telling the developer. They were very upset. Uh, we sent it to the Family Guy writers, and then we flew out to Los Angeles to meet with them, mm-hmm. expecting that they would welcome me into their fold and be like, why are you writing games? You need to be out here in Los Angeles. But you have the ultimate like throwback anytime they criticize something. You think that's bad. And then you just, Never mind. But. They Well, so, yeah, we got in there and they're like, this is the least Family Guy thing we've ever read. And I'm like, oh. And I think, I guess the pain and the sorrow must have been written on my face because they were like, I mean, well, look, I mean, it's not like totally terrible. But Brian's a dog. I we're gonna have to. <laughs> we're gonna have to rewrite this whole thing. And so they did. And then we got the final game, and I'm playing through it. And one of my jokes didn't hey. get rewritten. And I was like, "Holy shit!" You remember what it was? I do. Okay, I want to know. It's in the book. Oh, it is in the book. My bad. Buy the book. Buy the book. But you know I what? Get to hear. I'm gonna say out. this joke right now out loud. Mm-hmm. I'm just All gonna right. do it. <laughs> so Brian is going to get arrested because Carter Pewterschmidt believes Brian impregnated Seabreeze again. And, yeah, it repeats on this <laughs> show for some, whatever. Uh, he comes over with a cop to arrest Brian. And Brian says, he's like, I'm innocent. And Carter reaches into his pocket, pulls out a stack of cash, hands it to the cop, and says, he's lying. And then he reaches into his pocket, pulls out another stack of cash, hands it to the cop, and says, and he's not Caucasian. <laughs> and the cops run in and start beating Brian <laughs> with billy clubs. And... That joke apparently lived up <laughs> to the very high quality standards of the Family Guy writing team and made it into the game. And I got an additional writing credit. Hey. And I was like, and so like, here's the thing. When you, I'm a kid from Backwoods, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I, growing up, I never knew the video games were a thing I could do because mm-hmm. all I knew was Nintendo was made in Japan and Japan was a long yeah, way away. Video games didn't have a lot of writing. Exactly. Especially back then. There was yeah. really nothing. And... I, at this point in my life, I'm an adult. I want to be a writer. I believe I can be a writer. Mm-hmm. But I'm also aware that a lot of people think that. Most of them don't make it. Oh, well. And it's a it's a hard road to get there. Mm-hmm. And just getting one joke, one single joke in an entire game mm-hmm. in was, for me, such a sign of validation that, okay, look, you're not there yet, but you're good enough that you got... You wrote one joke that was worth a shit. And if you keep working at this, someday you'll get two jokes. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get a page. And then eventually you're going to get a whole fucking game. Mm. And, like, it really was that one little thing that was enough to give me enough encouragement and excitement to, like, just really dig down and try even harder from then, from that point on, until eventually I did, you know, the game I, I was able <clears throat> to write on Spec Ops mm-hmm. uh, and worked on that like game. As a lead for, writer? As a lead writer, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and to be fair, like, when I say lead writer, like, I didn't start off as a lead writer. That game yeah. took five years. I was still a game analyst when it started, but as one of the people on the writing team that had that had written, worked on the game, the only one who'd worked the game from the first mm-hmm. day to the last day, uh, ultimately, at the end, I was given the title lead writer. It wasn't that's... like, Walt, you are just in charge from the get-go. And well, that's, that's what I remember, because we were talking about it 
before we knew you were coming on, and I, I've never played the finished product. I previewed it like five times. Yeah. And and I do remember hearing those stories because Spec Ops was like a was it an acquired brand from 2K or something like that? Yes. Like, like a brand nobody it expected like, or asked anything from? The 999 yeah, PS1 like a, game. Yeah. yeah. It was a budget title. Yeah. yeah and, and when I saw it. He said what, six games in three years. <laughs> something it, like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, like, I saw a new Spec Ops game called Spec Ops The Line. It looked totally different in the beginning. And I'm like, just call it The Line. This this brand <laughs> is a liability as, at this point. And then when I saw the product, I, my mind was fucking blown. It's like, because little, being able to be in the games industry at that point and watching games really mature, not just the M rated decapitations and all that, but like that story was in, like, insane. The setting was insane. Thank you. Well, Chris, like, Chris, did you play the beginning of yeah. Spec Ops? Yeah. Okay. So I jumped you, all around. So, like, I've never played it all the way through, but I've done, like, several appointments. And So you, you have a chapter early in your book that is uh, sort of an in medias res flash forward, which you also decry in that chapter as a as a cheap trick. <laughs> yes. But talking I'm glad about, you picked up on that. <laughs> one of my favorite moments in Spec Ops The Line, which is having to begin with that flash forward and then uh, lampshading it later on. At the beginning of the game, you flash forward to a scene that technically happens at the end of the second act mm-hmm. where our characters are well into Dubai, well into their war against the damn 33rd. They steal a helicopter and are fleeing uh, through the the skyline of Dubai, being chased by helicopters mm-hmm. flown by the damn 33rd as a sandstorm is approaching. Yes. They're desperately trying to get out in time. They don't make it. The sandstorm just wipes them out and they crash. And then we flash back Mm -hmm. to the beginning. This scene was not written as the first scene of the game. It was written as the end of the second act. I did not like that it was the first scene of the game. We had discussed it about maybe half a year to a year before. Mm -hmm. And I had fought very strongly to not have it be the beginning of the game. But people were like, we feel like the beginning of the game is too slow. There needs to be action. Like, they know it's a video game. Mm-hmm. They bought it. They put it into their system. You don't have to well, remind that, I, them by instantly letting them shoot my, something. My claim to fame on that game is that for the commercial, the main character slides across my pull quote. Because <laughs> uh, like, like, I, I said it for PC Gamer. It set my brain on fire because I saw Spec Ops, War Game, Nolan North's lead voice. Like, I I know exactly what this is going to be. I don't want in. I barely want anything to do this or be here, and it like just took me by such a surprise that the story went that insane, like that serious, that fast yeah. in a real world location. That I love Dubai's like the, <laughs> a living haunted house for the most part. It's great. Well, then you're gonna love the, how this story goes. Yeah, yeah. So I we're doing the final recording mm-hmm. uh, for the game, and I get an email from someone saying they've moved the helicopter chase back to the beginning of the game, and I realize that. And whether, I've never had this confirmed, but at the time, I firmly believed it had been done by my boss mm-hmm. because he believed I was too busy to fight him on it. And so I was like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> and in the middle of recording <laughs> session with uh, Nolan, Chris, and Omid, our, you know, our main characters, mm-hmm. I just flip over a script page and I write down five lines. And I'm like, okay, guys, we got to record a thing real fast. Pretend this is the helicopter chase. I'm just going to feed you the lines. And I need you to just read them back to me. Uh, like... Y'all are freaking out in this helicopter mm-hmm. chase. And the lines are right at, and they're, these these lines only play when you reach the helicopter chase the second time at the end of the second act. They don't play the first time at the beginning of the game. They climb into the helicopter and they're flying away. And Nolan's character says, Wait, this is wrong. We've done this before. 
And the squad mates are like, what are you talking about? What? That, what? And he's like, just fuck it, forget it. We just need to shake these guys. And it's this moment where, not a, a lot of people didn't pick up on it, mm-hmm. but it's this moment in the game where the character realizes, he remembers the, the helicopter chase that you played at the beginning, which means it was not a flash forward. And I, I write this, I record it, I put all the notes for when it's supposed to be put into the game, and then I send an email back to the guy who told mm-hmm. me about the chase. I'm like, all of our characters now die at the beginning of the game of the helicopter crash. It's not a flash forward. Everything after that is a post-death hallucination. I'm sending you this email because in a month, I'm going to have people saying, I did not do this on purpose and I want proof. Boom. And <laughs> so even the hallucinatory parts of the game are hallucinations within a hallucination. Yes. Wow. God damn. It God was damn. Inception before Inception. <laughs> but to me, like the first time I saw that, that was one of the standout moments of the game to me because it's sort of I, I didn't pick up on it the same way you intended. To me, it was just like it's this weird sort of hallucinatory breaking the fourth wall sort of thing that sort of adds to the overall gonzo weirdness of the game. And that's a lot of that's how a lot of people read it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair because in games we do that. Mm-hmm. Like we will break the fourth wall in a way that is acceptable even if a game hasn't the game hasn't done that before. It doesn't really do it much after. Like we we expect a little bit of gonzo in in our storytelling when it comes to games just comes the way we've been trained because mm-hmm. we're already shutting off a lot of disbelief in our games when we play them, uh, to just be like, okay, yeah, no, that's... Uh, they didn't animate that guy's mouth because it was hard. I, I, <laughs> I believe that he's still moving his lips when he's talking. So. But canonically, as far as you're concerned, like the whole third act of the game is just a, a death dream. Yes. Well, I, I, I mean, well, technically, so, I think the, the entirety of the game is a death dream, but you can assume that the first two acts happened at least similarly to mm. what you're experiencing in the hallucination. That would explain where the sequel yeah. went. Yes. But that, that's almost a relief because the horrible things that happen after yeah. that are just a hallucination. So, Or are they? Or are they? <laughs> what, was the, what was the reception like on that? Because I, I look, I'm not trying to trash Spec Ops fans. No, no, but no. But I love the idea like these guys playing these budget war titles like, what the fuck just happened? Well, I wanted uh, to be America. Hey, rah, rah. Of <laughs> the ten people who bought it, um, they seemed to like it. Um, it was a slow burn in the sales I, I department. I really wish they so. called it something else. Like, just because so we start a new thing. We couldn't. Yeah. So 2K uh, and Take-Two take two actually mm-hmm. had acquired the Spec Ops license. A lot of people don't know this. And I mentioned in the book, originally it was going to be a Rockstar game. Mm. Rockstar was making a Spec Ops game. They got a little ways into it, and they were like, yeah, we got nothing for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it fell to 2K. And because of the of licensing uh, purchases and things, I don't, I don't actually know the back ground contract stuff that required it but it needed to be a spec ops game mm. because of that and i think uh because if, if it wasn't like something to deal with like budgeting and like putting the the cost of what rockstar did into the budget of the game yeah, like acquiring keeping, the license yeah. or, so, or a roger corman fantastic four thing where they make it yeah. so yeah. that no one else can yeah <laughs> it's entirely possible um yes! gonna make a spec Put that to wikipedia <laughs> but i yeah i mean there there was a time where i fought for it to just be called the line because yeah as we were nearing shipping it i was thinking the same thing like spec ops doesn't give us any let's make this its own thing but at the same time like we had set out to already make it its own thing mm-hmm. like just because it's called spec ops doesn't mean it's the 
the franchise that again ten people remembered. Yeah. Um, and we were really worried about mm-hmm. that. Like when it we were doing, been. It turned me off from the moment I saw it. Well, I well assumed here's it wouldn't the be thing: when we were doing press training, mm-hmm. they kept bringing up like you know there was the practice question of wait, well, wasn't Spec Ops a budget game? And, like, one day I just, like, flipped. And mm-hmm. my response to my boss was, wasn't your mom a budget game? Oh, and I was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm tired. I haven't slept. But, um, but like, I was like, to me, in my in my mind, it's like, one, the only people asking that question are going to be press people. And that's kind of a yeah. dick question because <laughs> even if it was, clearly no it's one who now. made those games are working on this one. <laughs> So, yeah, like, what I remember, yeah. yeah, like that's kind of a fucked up. T- hey, you know how you were twelve when they first made yeah. this game? What uh, the fuck, dude? Came free with Soldier of Fortune magazine. Yeah, like that. That seemed like a really unfair question. But also, like the thing Grand with Grand Theft Auto, the top-down yeah. game with a fart button. Come well, on. You know, that, here's the thing: when it comes to those budget games, yeah. like budget games were a thing that existed when we were all just players. And yeah. we fucking loved budget games because we could afford them easily. Exactly. We could I, go yeah. to the bin with a $10 bill and take a new game. When home. I have to think about what Take-Two was pre-GTA, it was like all those like nine discs that came with my computer that I enjoyed the fuck out yeah. of, but can't really remember the names Dude, of. Rockstar did a $10 Italian job game, which was actually yes. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Still so, like, the best yeah. Italian job game, yes. as far Steve, as I'm yes. concerned. <laughs> Better than the other one. Yes. I cannot believe you have an opinion on that. Yeah. Of course I do. Of course <laughs> it when it came out. I was on Rockstar's list, man. But yeah, so then there. That game really, that question really bothered me <laughs> because it seemed unfair and untrue to the types of games we all enjoyed when we were kids. Yeah, that just didn't exist anymore mm-hmm. because everything had, be, had to be so big or indie, or and branded. indie wasn't even really a thing yet at that mm-hmm. point. Like everything just had to be so big, like triple mm-hmm. A. It was triple A or nothing. Yeah, and I was like, that's that just seems unfair to what we all played growing up. And to be fair, I had never hurts back up still I was working on it so I, just, I, I wasn't one of those people but still I thought it was one of the ballsiest thing I'd seen a publisher do with a franchise like that well, and just you. in general like yeah, I cannot yeah. believe you got how did that get pitched as a game to make in the middle of all this stay frosty horse shit <laughs> it, like, well, it didn't we just knew we were gonna go dark like over mm. the course of five years it became the game that it God was damn. and um, it was fed by a lot of the frustration of working on a game for five years yeah. to be entirely honest like the longer it, like you're literally just kind of in the shit, and it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper into the jungle, and finally you're like, "This is the player's <laughs> fault, and I want to hurt them." <laughs> and that's, you know, I think the final story that we ended up on probably came about around a year before published. Mm-hmm. Like we, it was always Jesus, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the basic framework of the story stayed the same, but okay. it was like. Then we just, like, we came up with these. So what if Conrad has been dead since before you start playing the game? Whoa, what the fuck <laughs> does that mean if we don't change anything else in the story? And so it was like going back and layering in this level of insanity and thing. And then and then you have the your dead thing, mm-hmm. yeah. which literally just came in uh, under the radar by me mm-hmm. being pissed off in a recording <laughs> session and completely changes, like, how you can read the story. That's the great thing about writing games is, unlike a filmer's, that like you can just drastically things will drastically change at any yeah, moment, yeah. and if if you're open to it as a writer and uh, you're fluid enough, you can run with it and you can make something just crazy memorable. Because at the last minute, someone said, "Fuck you!" Here's a yeah, helicopter that, chase. Uh, the game as a result of the writing. Uh, I mean, there's a it's a it's a fun game. It's a great setting. It plays great. But yeah. like as a result of the writing, like I think we remember. If it was, it's not a hit. Is that fair to say? Um, I don't think it's considered 
unsuccessful at okay. this point because it has been. I hear referenced a lot. I know. Yeah, I know it, people like, are aware of it. It's critically, I would say, very successful. Yeah, it did not sell terribly well when it first came out. I sure. I think, and I I don't know numbers, um, and I don't work at 2K anymore, so I can't. No, but, if I ask, they're, they're not going to tell me. But I think from the last I heard, it would be fair to call it a cult success. Yeah, um, and it, it's a game that people still buy, people still discover, yeah, yeah. and it's got a it's got legs to it. But at the same time, those legs are like the six dollar version of the sixty dollar <laughs> day one version, and that's still that's fine. You you just get excited to know that people are still discovering this game five years later, and yeah. they're like, holy shit, this. Kind of blew and, and my mind. I, I, it has to be rewarding for you that people are discovering in that way, but like just game logic tells you <laughs> success is marked by sequels. Mm-hmm. And like the game was impossible to sequelize from the beginning. And that's on purpose. <laughs> on purpose. I hate sequels okay. and I never wanted to. I was <laughs> yeah, so worried right the, the wrong business. You have I a know. <laughs> absolutely inflammatory line in this book about Half Life. <laughs> Uh, Line? Are you sure it's not the entire page? <laughs> it might be. Where, where you, it's, well, it's, it's more than that, but it's. It, I think what it comes down to is the line where you say, thank God Half-Life 2 wasn't good enough to merit a sequel. <laughs> so, okay, so that... Yes. I'm sorry, it did, I was, it I got was a think, sequel that went straight to Pace Bin. I yeah. was thinking about the that's Gordon true, Freeman uh, section, yeah, which yeah, might yeah. have been... So that I'm, is I'm actually, taking it out of context, this to be is, fair. To be fair, that is a line that I use in meetings mm-hmm. when a designer references Half-Life 2 too many times to me, <laughs> and they're like, no, no, so I want to do this thing, like in Half-Life 2, and I just am like, listen, if Half-Life 2 was any good, there would have been a Half-Life 3, so can we please stop talking about it? <laughs> and it's just fun to watch a designer's head explode. <laughs> the, the director will make you clean it up afterwards, mm-hmm. but... Honestly, it's totally worth it. It's really worth the pain of getting brain out of carpet. And um, <laughs> I'm never going to stop saying it's that. It's a wonderful troll move. Here's the thing. I didn't play Half-Life 2 probably until maybe three or four years into my career working video games. Mm-hmm. So like 2007, 2008. And like my big takeaway was, why am I on this stupid airboat for so long? <laughs> That's what I took away from Half-Life 2. Because it's a clever way to pezzle, pedal physics in an engine. And hey, I, look, I, I respect that stuff more than anyone. Mm-hmm. I think there's something amazing about our medium where it's like, I want to tell a story. Great. First, create the laws of physics. <laughs> um, every time. <laughs> like, I need more characters. I can't grab my dad and say, hey, stand in the background the shot someone must build him <laughs> you will become god <laughs> and, like the the demands of what we have to do to make a game every single time we make it now mm-hmm. because games have gotten so uh visually impressive mm-hmm. it honestly i can't believe anything gets made at this point um yeah. but they it still does and that's that's beautiful and amazing to me um but yeah i'm sorry Clearly, Half Life Three, it wasn't meant to happen. Um, if, if we could switch gears and go back to Spec Ops for a second, yes. there's one oh. thing I wanted to ask about that uh, came up in I think pretty much every preview review of Spec Ops at the time, which was the white phosphorus scene. And, and I'm, I'm only as far as the Mr. Sunshine anecdote in the book, so I don't. <laughs> yes. Is that something you actually discuss in the book? The white phosphorus scene, a little bit, yes. Um, so, how, how did you? come to that exactly that like that specific it's the ultimate anti-war game moment i really thought that was i don't want to say hilarious well (laughs) so to spoil the game if you haven't played it and you're Mm -hmm. listening to this 
frankly, it's been out five years. I don't care. So, <laughs> what are you doing? Go play. Um, Stop listening. Go play it. Yeah. Come back. It's on sale on Steam. Knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we needed the character for the for the final story to work. We needed this moment where the character did something so mind-bogglingly terrible mm-hmm. uh, that it broke them, believably broke yeah. them mentally and emotionally. But it also needed to be something... It couldn't happen in a cutscene. It needed to be something the player was controlling the character at the time. You're controlling your own PTSD. Exactly. (laughs) exactly. Because that that would be the only way to make the character actually feel at fault or just that this insanity was not a trick pulled on them because Mm -hmm. they actually do it themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, We had this mortar scene... I'll get Keep to going, it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so we had this mortar scene that was already going to be there where you find a mortar and you have to use it in a piece of uh, exotic gameplay to take out these soldiers, this overwhelming force that are below you. Uh, you're on this balcony. And ultimately what we what it ended up becoming is that we have this white phosphorus mortar instead. And prior to that, you've seen white phosphorus be used on uh, the refugee insurgents. And now you're using it on the enemy soldiers. But you're firing using uh, a guidance camera mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, slowly descending on a parachute. So you're looking at a little screen where everything is turned into black and white dots, just moving around down on the map. And you're looking at Walker's reflection in the screen. You are literally, through the eyes of your character, looking at your face reflected back at you in a TV screen. Mm-hmm. And you've turned your enemies, not into people, but into little dots, mm-hmm. to just move a cursor over them, hit a button, and say... Make that dot stop moving. The entire thing, there was brilliant design choices on, on the for the team at Jaeger mm-hmm. um, to, to, to do it this way. And when I saw that, the final product of that, it just blew my mind. Because I was like, I never even considered half of the thing. Like, the reflection of Walker's face in there was just so beautiful and terrifying. And there's a point towards the end where you see a big group of enemies moving in the back. And you go to take them out and you kill them. And then... Um, that's the end of it. And this originally, this scene had been built around the idea that I never liked in games where you have these big dramatic battles and every, then you kill all the enemies and load cutscene, load next mission. You never have to move through the carnage of what you've done. Death is very clean. And so originally, this whole scene was just supposed to be about having a ver- using a weapon that distanced you from the carnage and then you would have to walk through it afterwards and be like, this is what war is really like. Yeah when we decided it had to really break the character that's when we added this final beat of the people running away and when you get to them as you're moving through the carnage you find that these are not soldiers these were not combatants these were innocent civilians 47 innocent civilians who were simply trying to get out of the area of attack and you and the character realize you have done something it's a mistake Mm -hmm. it's an honest mistake but you've done something truly terrible Mm -hmm. and in that moment Walker snaps. He cannot... This is a man who has always seen himself as a hero. Excuse me. As a good Mm -hmm. guy. And now he's done something inarguably wrong. And he cannot rectify that with his view of himself. Mm -hmm. And in order to continue to go on, his brain literally has to take that guilt and separate it away from how he views himself. And he projects it onto this vision of Conrad that he now is blaming for his actions, that Conrad's antagonism led him to this point and forced him to do this, completely unaware of the fact that Conrad himself is dead and has been dead. And so from that point on, the Conrad that he's now interacting with 
is a Conrad entirely in his head. And now this is a fun thing that we had to do once we made this change in the game, is now going back and looking at everything, every time that Conrad is speaking to Walker mm-hmm. and Walker is speaking to Conrad, when his squad mates are around, everything Wal- you have to realize that they're not hearing what Conrad is saying. Mm-hmm. And everything Walker says has to be worded in such a way that they can think, why the fuck is our commander <laughs> talking to us like this? It's a Bluetooth headset. Exactly. So that was a whole different writing challenge. Mm-hmm. But fi- creating that scene to put the player in that point, we 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 hoped it would work. Mm-hmm. We didn't know if it would until the first focus test. I was in Germany. I wasn't there. And I got an email from 2K. Uh, the guy was running the focus test like, hey, man. So the, the first group just got to the white phosphorus scene and finished it up. Thought you should know. A bunch of people paused the game and left the room. <laughs> oh, shit. They needed a minute. Wow. And I, I'm... It's going to sound bad. <clears throat> but that might be one of the happiest moments of <laughs> I was so overjoyed. Because here's the thing. You, you write something and you design something and you hope it's going to affect someone emotionally. You hope they're going to get what you're going for. You do not assume... It is going to break them to the point where they need to stop playing <laughs> yep. your game and leave. That's where my awful pull quote came, set yeah. my brain on fire, <laughs> was a reference to the white phosphorus yes. scene. <laughs> because it was some takeaway at the company, like, I don't know if people are going to uh, buy into this game, but we're going to... That was the slice <laughs> you decided to show journalists first. And like, what oh, the fuck? They did? Oh my god, I didn't know that. Yeah, like, that, like, like skipped to, from the oh, beginning no. to that part. I do remember that. Yeah. I was pissed. Mm-hmm. I actually was like, I don't think you should do that. I Bro- can understand why yeah. you'd be pissed, but it's like, dude, again, expected nothing as Spec Ops. Anytime it came up again, like, I'll take it. I want to know, I want to see more of this game really badly. As, well, I mean, to, to be fair, though, mm-hmm. my instinct mm-hmm. was wrong. I, I blame myself entirely for mm-hmm. people being like, this is just a generic shooter. Because I was like, you mm-hmm. guys can't spoil anything. Mm-hmm. The first mission is wrote, written to be really generic, so you think it's a generic game. <laughs> yeah. Just give them that. Mm-hmm. That was the wrong instinct. That was not a salesman's yeah. instinct that at all. That was not a $60 instinct. Yes. Like- <laughs> so, so you were right. They were right. I was the idiot who was like, don't well, show them that. Hats off to somebody like, no, that's yeah. that's what we lead with to get people yeah. talking about this game. And for the entire cycle after that, I couldn't stop talking about the game. I couldn't believe it existed. Honestly, mm-hmm. I still can't believe it existed. Yeah. We had, like, every three, four months, mm-hmm. someone would, would just raise their hand and very validly ask, are we sure Should people we want this? to play this? <laughs> like, I don't think people want to play a game that make them feel bad. And my answer was always, Why? We watch yeah. movies that make us feel bad. Totally. We listen to yeah. a fuck ton of music that makes us feel bad. That's basically being a teenager. Yeah. Man. Why should games be different? It's, um, it's not like I don't want to shoot stuff. Yeah. But like being a conscientious person in the constant barrage of modern yeah. war games, like that is the yeah. war game I wanted to play to reflect a little on the yeah. guilt. Yeah. You can and be angsty and shoot stuff. You don't have to just be happy and shoot stuff or angry and shoot stuff. You can have like other emotions. That's why it, it was the first game I thought like wanted you to feel an, an, an emotion other than adrenaline yes. when in a shooter and like I thought that was ama- I keep talking about spec ops it's <laughs> Jesus um, well no but like you did a Star yeah. Wars game why don't I have yeah. more to ask no about but that? I think that's a fair point because that I always felt especially at that point that we were looking at games as under two words a game is bad or a game is fun mm-hmm. and I felt like fun was the wrong word a mm-hmm. game should be engaging or non-engaging and like Mm. something can be engaged like because bad a bad game 
that's a subjective term. Sure. A game that's not engaging is a game that is unintuitive or a game that is broken mm-hmm. or a game that is uh, derivative. That doesn't necessarily mean bad. Bad can mean too many things. So I think unengaging and engaging are really the terms of how we should be looking at games because that fun is a child's toy. Fun mm-hmm. is frolicking on the beach. It mm-hmm. limits how we view what a game can be. Mm-hmm. And so a game, an engaging game, can be anything. Mm-hmm. And it can be different things for different people. Like certain type of games don't engage me. Like you mentioned Destiny 2 earlier. Mm-hmm. I I think the whole concept of Destiny is super cool. I will probably never play it. <laughs> I I remember when uh, it was going around being pitched, and I was like, guys, we need to sign this. Again, mm-hmm. not my thing, but I think people will love it. Uh, and ultimately, I think uh, Activision yeah. got, uh, ended up picking it up. But I was, yeah, like, it's just not my thing, partially because I have a 17-month-old daughter. So <laughs> if your game's longer than two hours, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not going to get to play it right now. The but game's not, you, oh, we finished the single player by Friday after getting <laughs> wow. it on Wednesday. Well, you did, sure. Yeah. We did, but then like it's it's the game after that, the uh, fucking loot horde, that mobile training yeah. you get up to level yourself up constantly and that, bring yourself. That's what I hear. Yeah. That Destiny starts when the campaign finishes. It does. It like in like it. I wanted to post that. Like just saw the ending and then a picture of GIF of Barney. It begins. <laughs> like it, it, it. Now it really starts. Whatever. I'm trying to get to it. You see, I already broke free from World of Warcraft. Yeah. I don't need to get back into any of that. Like, it scratches that itch. Uh, but yeah. but like but that's what I started Good. to hate about shooters. Like. I think I love Max Payne because it's like be a shooting gallery, yeah. be honest. Like yeah. you don't have to give me a bunch of uh, reasons to make me feel good or bad about this. Just give me targets. I'm at a fair. I'm at a. I'm at a county fair. Yeah, like that's that's fine, and that's what Destiny kind of offers. Just be yeah. hard and challenging. I don't. I'm not emotionally invested in any of it, yeah. but it's delivered to me at a constant rate. But, no, uh, and I think I think you're right. I think mm-hmm. it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Like games should cover like film and books mm-hmm. and music, every possible type. A variety of mm-hmm. what you know. You can have a shooter game that is just a shooting gallery. You can have something that's emotionally engaging, intellectually engaging. I'm waiting for the uh, the shooter game, the AAA game that at the end of it makes you feel hopeful for the world and your life and mm-hmm. moving forward. Because we haven't figured out how to do that yet. Partly because every single game we make, when you strip the story out of it, it's about killing someone yeah. or beating them until they're unconscious. I've always wanted to see the end screen like, this is how much time you have to serve. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's very hard to write a hopeful story yeah. when your only way of interacting with the world around you is with your bullet hands. Mm-hmm. And right now we're just kind of, we're like that kid in high school, the goth kid who discovered poetry. Mm-hmm. And every story is about how existence is painful. And because that's our easiest way to make you feel emotion right now. Mm-hmm. We haven't figured out how to make you feel hopeful, how to make you feel joy that is not the rush of a bullet roller coaster. Um, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. We're just not there yet. And I think there are people out there actively trying to do it. Yeah. And hopefully someday I'll get to be a part of it. Um, Try to bring that into the multiplayer. Oh, oh, look, man, that's not. <laughs> I will gladly let someone else take that bullet. I'm not <laughs> I don't even. I don't even play multiplayer. I. Mm. I don't have that competitive bone in my mm. body. I played one. That's why I like Destiny. I played mm. two games of Counter Strike in my mm. entire life. The first time, never playing it, somehow managed to. I think it was a. Du- is it called Dust or Sand? It's, it is dust. Dust. I rushed into a map, was just jumping on boxes and ledges or whatever, Sounds headshotted like four people in a row, <laughs> one-shot kills. The text is going, who is this guy? Before they take me down. And I'm just like, I am a god! <laughs> Jumped in the next time and just immediately was destroyed. It's like, alright, I have no idea what I'm doing. 
and I don't know how I did any of the stuff I did yeah, in the first these game. These are tiny maps you've yeah. been playing for a decade, and, and they I immediately never, yep. got your strategy. Never uh, went back. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I, I just wanted to, I mean, we've been talking for a while, but I wanted to briefly touch on something that people were talking about a bit before the, the book came out, the vertical slice of your book, uh, as it were, the... The, the part about crunch, which yes. I having I I went ahead and read, read the book on a flight over mm-hmm. here uh, on, after vacation. You crunched through it. You I crunched I crunched through that book. <laughs> How but, dare you! <laughs> but it, I mean, I feel like the the final work kind of it 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 provides the uh, the context for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it's like. Well, like can, every writer has like they love their work, mm-hmm. but they also have a certain level of like. I think like it's anger great. or contempt or something like you talk about like that comes from the, uh, deadlines yeah. and, and, and limitations and like uh, yeah. I've had months to finish things. Yes, it comes together at yeah. the end. I, but you and, talk about like seeing the uh, one of the writers for Bioshock Two like at the at a party yeah, afterwards, after party, yeah. and they're angry, like they're sad about what didn't make it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like I I feel like yeah, that's what the initial reactions didn't quite get is that like yeah, there is a price for crunching. There is like. Because I think it's, I didn't I didn't I didn't read, read the article, <laughs> but it was taken as like crunch is good. Everybody should crunch. Yes, Where, a lot. Uh, so everybody should be worked longer but, hours, unpaid. And like no, I don't think that's what you yeah, said. There's a high, but there's also price. Yeah, mm-hmm. the excerpt got presented uh, without any of the context mm-hmm. around it, and uh, the title that was put on it uh, is not the title of the chapter that it's mm-hmm. in. Um, I I'm still mad. It, it, does, it doesn't bother. <laughs> like I like. Look, I wrote those words, mm-hmm. admittedly, and I wrote it in the context of being at a certain point in the book surrounded by all the products. <laughs> and I went back and I read the excerpt as it was. I didn't know that was the exact excerpt they mm-hmm. were going to show until it came out. I didn't know that was the exact title they were going to use until it came out. I, so it was a surprise to me that morning. Wow. Uh, and I and I read it. I was like, yeah, if this is the first thing you've seen. <laughs> I do call you a fucking hypocrite in this excerpt. <laughs> it's a little aggressive, possibly needlessly so, because you have not had 200 pages of my voice <laughs> to realize that I'm being slightly uh, sarcastic oh, okay. here. Um, well, but, it's, it's but also, also there are li- yeah there are direct lines where I'm like, I'm not endorsing crunch. Crunch is bad. You should not have to crunch. You should never be forced to crunch. Mm-hmm. We do it because we have messed up at other things. Also, it's unhealthy, and I'm an unhealthy person, so I give in to unhealthy tendencies. Yeah, me too. And some people, I think, got caught up on the the title mm-hmm. that chose, which was "Why I Worship Crunch," mm-hmm. um, which was, I think, also meant as a sarcastic title. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm certainly not laying any blame on that. Um, yeah, you don't want to make <laughs> you don't want to make people families yeah. work longer hours. But yeah. I, yeah. having well, worked on a few games and like you get down to like those last couple of weeks, it's like oh, I haven't seen some of these people in months. Yeah, and like it's every I'm talking to people all the time, and like this is kind of fun because I, I like diving into projects that deep and I know not everybody does uh, but I, 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 I understood it from what the, the excerpts that I read I mean yeah, yeah I, I I like working in crunch too but at the same time like if you read the rest of the book like mm-hmm. you understand like that was kind of your default state through mm-hmm. that yes. whole period and it is not presented in a way that I think is positive or romanticized mm. it is very honest and it, it it reads kind of bleak it's mm-hmm. like well the work is really valuable and you're happy to be doing it but at the same time this is taking a horrible toll on mm-hmm. you yes and it absolutely did and, yeah. and it did lead to a minor breakdown for me in my in my life i'm tired of and, doing it every week <laughs> but, <laughs> but but like at the end of like a year-long cycle that would feel good to yeah. me to um, have a breakdown no not to have a breakdown <laughs> but to have something where like 
where you don't know if something's going to come together, and then you have this final period where like it all has to come together. So this final, this final period on. for me, we're talking like six, seven months. Oh, and God. Ultimately, when I had a breakdown, there was still another year and a half of production. Mm. Um, and for me, so a, you, Jesus. yeah, a, a writer crunch is going to be very different from a team crunch. Mm-hmm. And a big part of this particular crunch, where it falls in the book, is talking about when I was working on Spec Ops. Mm-hmm. Actually, back to Spec hey, Ops. Hey! I, I was living overseas in an apartment. I was away from family, friends. I had sick family. Uh, I, the, I'm a creature of comfort. I'm mm-hmm. a homebody. I just need a room with my shit in it. That's really all I need to be happy. And none of my shit is in Berlin. Hmm. Especially... Jif reduced fat peanut butter. Now, I, look, here's the thing. I'm from the South. Food is a very, very big part of our upbringing. It is a very key to my prolonged mental health. And it comes down to sometimes just something as simple as being able to eat a jar of Jif, reduce fat peanut butter. It's not for the calories. I just prefer the texture. Um, it's a little thicker. It's actually not peanut butter. It's a peanut butter spread. Um, and like just those small little creature comforts that you don't even think about in your day-to-day mm-hmm. life. Suddenly when they're gone for months at a time and you're working 16-hour, 17-hour days, seven days a week, and you suffer from insomnia like I do, so sometimes you're not even sleeping for 48 hours or more at a time, You that all of this kind of stuff just kind of begins to weigh on you because you begin to realize how much just going home to your own bed at the end of the day, mm-hmm. even if you're crunching, is enough to keep you going longer. And when that's gone... Now you're facing an entirely different type of crunch where you're just like, I have nothing but the work. So you throw yourself into the work even harder because you're like, maybe if I work harder, I can get this done faster and I can go home. Mm-hmm. And that's really where I was in that mentality. And also, to be honest, and this is something I think a lot of people don't talk about, and maybe other people in the industry don't feel this, but I don't ever take for granted that there's going to be another game. Mm-hmm. Um, life is messed up. You could die at any moment from anything, um, and I know it's super fatalistic <laughs> and I'm super paranoid, but look, that's, that is kind of how I feel. You never know what's going to happen, but also, you never know if this one's going to work. You never know if anyone's going to want to hire you after that. This might always be your one chance to put something out of the world. So mm-hmm. I, I'm always thinking, what if this is the last, what if this is my last statement? Mm-hmm. What do I want to do? What do I want to say with this last piece of work if this is the last thing anyone hears from me? And that mentality I tend to put myself more into my work than I probably should than is healthy because mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm coming at it from a kind of a fatalistic angle and and I and I know that about myself now and I can work to make that better and mm-hmm. not do that but I think a lot of people do that you're like what if No, I don't yeah. have the maturity to think other than that. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> yet, but I and I I envy other people who do. Uh, but don't look at me when you say that. Uh, <laughs> No, well, not you're not one of those people either. No, I'm not. No, like uh, I don't know. We all had writers and deadlines, and like without deadlines, yeah, that's when things really come together and get fun. When you start reaching out and talk to people, I, as a creative person, I know there are other people <laughs> you're dragging along on this adventure that yes. may not be. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. I, I saw that, and I like I read the first part. Like I know instantly what this is talking about. Not saying people should work underpaid more hours and that's cool yeah um yeah no I, you never should i was really kind of trying to talk about crunch in a way that i feel like we don't talk about there we talk about crunch mm-hmm. and then we talk about passion and mm-hmm. how it's different and it's not i'm sorry look i don't care how successful your game is i don't care if you're an indie and you're owning your labor mm-hmm. like if you are going in and spending the last two months working crazy hours seven days a week and destroying your health to get your game out and if every in 
after everyone gives you all their money and talk mm-hmm. gives you all their praise and you're like no you shouldn't do that that's wrong that's destructive mm-hmm. that's that's what's really saying nah but I mean check out what I got when I did it mm-hmm. you could be famous too everyone's gonna <laughs> love you like that's fucking destructive for me and we need to acknowledge the, you know I was just trying to simply acknowledge that we have a complicated uh, by the way I'm uh, that is not me subtweeting verbally yeah. anyone uh, I'm just saying like we have a complicated relationship with crunch as an industry mm-hmm. and part of that is we have found ways to justify it in our own lives and I was trying to come out and discuss my own complicated relationship with crunch in such a way that would hopefully let us look at it from a different angle and kind of see how we're being a little bit hypocritical about our own action. We're all we're very quick to decry crunch when someone else is doing it mm-hmm. or we're not doing it. We're very quick to justify it when we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately we just have to admit this is what we're doing. And if we don't like the system and that crunch becomes such a systemic thing, then rather than just simply saying crunch is bad and mm-hmm. finding ways to fix crunch, we need to fix the system. And part of that has to start with us putting self-control under strain on ourselves. Like, I need to not crunch. If I'm, especially if I'm part of a team, I need to not crunch. That's an example to other team members. Hey, we should all be going home and living our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if you come into work five days a week and you spend three hours on Facebook every day, well, also, <laughs> you know what? Kind of fuck you. You need to make up that, that time because you're making, <laughs> you're going to make crunch for other people yeah. when you're not getting your work done on time. Um, you don't necessarily need to be working 12 hours to get your work done on time. Mm-hmm just work your full eight hours and if you got to throw an extra three on at the end of the day because you literally decided to play overwatch (laughs) for a three-hour lunch well then you know you were paid to do those eight hours Mm -hmm. do your eight hours Mm -hmm. and that's kind of an old school mentality but look i my dad is older like he's like older older he's not a baby boomer he was like greatest generation so i kind (laughs) of was raised with that mentality of well, you know, you're paid a salary, and that means you work when you got to work because you don't have to worry about when the paycheck's going to come. Think, and, and there's yeah. nothing on your lunchbox but tin. Yeah. Being, <laughs> being right in the middle of that, I think that that's a problem for younger folks. You could say millennials because your dad's generation expected, I did a good job. The company's successful. I have a job here for my entire life. Yes. And digging into my retirement, and now nobody feels that Exactly. Way. And that's, nobody that, yeah. feels comfortable that's, in their that's job. That's the other thing of it is yeah. like, Working in this mm-hmm. modern capitalistic society, I'm also aware that that mentality is super dated okay. and no Everybody longer wants somebody temporary. Yeah, so I have I'm constantly fighting both of those things, but I also like I look back at just how I've been raised and mm-hmm. my own personal feelings and all this stuff. It's like I can understand why I do it, and mm-hmm. I can see that reflected in other people, and that's really what, just what I was trying to get at with that part of the book. And so, and the other thing, like you were saying about having read the whole book. Mm-hmm. Like He's I, not I knew pointing at me right now. <laughs> That's right. Nor should he. Didn't. Shame. That's what I conveyed to the listeners. I always knew it was going to be contentious. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to say controversial because that implies I I wrote it to be controversial and I didn't. Mm-hmm. But going into it, a lot of, I had a lot of people in the industry read the book mm-hmm. just to kind of one to tell me did I just completely get anything wrong from you know somehow just seeing it the other wrong way. But also I I was kind of waiting to get feedback on that section to see how it be and. And everyone had read the entire book. No one ever even commented on that. Mm-hmm. It never stood out as strange. It's like, okay, yeah. So it like it works within the context of the book. Everything's mm-hmm. cool. Great. No one's like, you called me a fucking hypocrite. That's not cool. It's like, well, yeah, I did that three times in the book. So you're yeah. fine. Um, and then like it, it makes sense that without the context, people react the way they did. I wasn't upset. Um, ultimately, you know, I wrote it. 
I'll own up to that. Like, they're still my words. I don't disagree with what it's saying. It's just you, if you didn't have the context of the book around it, I totally get why you feel the way you do. I mean, honestly, you like... You cheated yourself if you didn't have the whole book. <laughs> yes, you did. You should have already had it. I, I also appreciated the irony of that line you had in there. Like, now that it's just us with no angry commenters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. That's in there. Whoops a daisy. Whoops a daisy. <laughs> that's in the excerpt. Oh, that's an unfortunate <laughs> line. Mm. You don't think about excerpts when you write a line like that no, in your book. No, I think no. that's what I dream to create yeah. now, uh, making something that doesn't have comments. <laughs> I think it's very possible that... The many people who read that article got to that line and saw it as a challenge mm-hmm. uh, to their authority as a commenter. <laughs> and that's really where the anger came I from. Oh, be. oh, he wants no more angry commenters. <laughs> we will show wow. him anger. That makes a ton of sense, though. That, that reads differently in an article than it would in a book. Like, yeah. it does read as a challenge. Yes. Or an angry yeah. comment is a post that you put in the page. Yeah. yeah. Well, everything in an article reads as a challenge to yeah. somebody <laughs> skimming it from Facebook. Yes. So Hey, don't look at me. <laughs> uh, I know that's how I read it. It's been busy around here. Wow. <laughs> so I know they say, like, don't read the comments. I read every comment. Mm-hmm. I read every tweet. I am. I'm a. Where did you read those tweets? Uh, on Twitter.com. Uh, which which is, are we supposed to? I was going to. I was opening up the plug uh, <laughs> oh, for your Twitter. Okay, I was like, send him an angry comment at uh, uh, at Walt D Williams Walt on Twitter.com or Instagram at probably underscore Walt Williams. <laughs> Spoiler: It's actually me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look. I mean, clearly, I'm a masochist. I like crunch. Like, there's I. It wasn't. It didn't bug me that people got mad. I believe that if you read even half of something I wrote, mm-hmm. you have paid the price of admission, and you can hate it you and me. All you want. Exactly. Um, I, if I don't know you, then you hating me personally—that's not going to bug me. That mm-hmm. just seems like an overreaction on your part. But whatever, that's cool. Um, if you know me and you hate me, that seems like a valid response to something I probably did. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you have some, you know, there was a lot of valid feedback on that piece, and that was actually why I was reading the comments. Is I saw a few that I thought were very valid. I was like, okay, these these are good points, and these are things, you know, I wanted a discussion, and these points count as discussion, and I'm taking these in, I'm adjusting my view, and I'm, you know, I'm learning from it. Then there were things like I'm going to show your shit excerpt to my class. So that they know not to enter games, and I'm like, glad I could make a difference. <laughs> um, Sweet, more limited playing field. I'll survive. <laughs> I dreamt of entering the games field until I read that article. <laughs> it, like, I will. Uh, so I, I feel bad when I say. Sometimes I go talk to schools, mm-hmm. and people are like, "How can I go into games, or how can I go into writing?" And I do tell them, "I like, look, the big nose If society. you're thinking that you want to be a writer or you want to do this other thing, mm-hmm. you need to do the other thing." You don't become a writer because it was one of multiple options. Mm-hmm. You become a writer because really that's kind of the only thing you were built to do. Mm-hmm. None of us like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's not fun. It's way more of a job than any of us thought it would be oh, when yeah. we were like, I'm mm. going to be a writer. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you're broken in a certain way where you're like, I like punching myself in the face every day until my blood somehow manages to spell an article on this page. <laughs> um well, I, I really appreciate that you wrote this because uh, I one of my painful memories when I was getting started in this industry and eventually went to become a games journalist was I went to like this big uh, panel conference on like how to enter the games industry. And there was like a panel of speakers talking about how to get started. I was like, yeah, you should design a Half-Life level and uh, get noticed like, like that. If you design a really good Half-Life level, like people will pay attention. And I like... St- raised my hand stood up and said like 
if I'm just a writer with no programming or design skills, how do I break into the industry? And there was like this long hmm. silence where I could like feel everyone hmm. just like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and then the guy's the just like, canceled. uh, yeah, design a Half-Life level, man. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Write some good flavor text for it. <laughs> hey, people want to download it, man. Uh-huh, yeah, it's a yeah. hard, well, you know, for so long we've never thought about writers being a game design discipline because mm-hmm. for so many decades of games it wasn't mm-hmm. you didn't need Mario didn't need yeah. a writer yeah. um, mm-hmm. and even when you did need a writer it was the designer or the artist yeah. who was like I guess I'll do it yeah. uh, and how then, hard is it to write there is only one Maharito yeah. come yeah. on exactly <laughs> and congratulations he kills yeah. Godzilla and has sex at the end <laughs> yeah, what's yeah, the problem yeah. and then everyone's like this man is a literary master <laughs> and that person is like, it's right, I am. I should write all video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then someone comes in and like, hey, I can't program. I can only write. And they're like, you child. <laughs> what are you doing here? Have you not seen my ponytail? Who I let you in? am the writer. <laughs> uh, and we're just now, it, like, as games have become more cinematic and people expect more stories, you know, writing has become a thing that we're slowly beginning to realize. You need to know how to write. And and in the sense of, like, you need to understand story structure. You need to understand how people are going to react to things. Writing, ultimately, is its architecture. You're building a structure of a scene. You're creating emotional-type situations uh, in pacing. Uh, you're understanding how a character is going to react to something at this point in the game. And then, based on what they experience all the way up to the next point, how would they react to that situation were to come about again? Like, how is this person going to change? It's really an understanding of human uh, response and uh, interaction. And the thing is, with most games, we're not thinking about human response or interaction because 99% of the characters are standing in one place waiting for you to show up so they can go, hey man, I'm a farmer, but I just cannot get to that field today. Can you pick me 20 radishes and I will give you that pony you're looking for. There's a demon in front of the radishes. I keep seeing a, comment on, a comic on Facebook about that, some guy standing in a field waiting to say something. And the really? Hero, Is that and, and the hero running by him like as the, as the text slowly gets smaller. Like, that, was, that was my only thing. I'm man. sorry, I didn't not steal that joke no, from no, someone. No, it just seemed like a logical. It on, I keep seeing it for some reason in the last couple days. But I mean, like that's the thing. Like a video game world is an amusement park. It's a really shitty West World where <laughs> yeah. uh, the robots have not been given legs that work. And, and, and simultaneously, yeah. Westworld makes a lot more sense if you look at it as a live-action MMO. Westworld, okay, so Westworld is one of the best TV shows I've seen in years, and a mm-hmm. lot of that comes down to the writer character. Who, yeah. a, from the first wow. moment he shows up on screen, I'm like, this is me at my most insufferable in every single media. Did he just say Horaboris? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, I am relating to this character. I love that pun. That is so, like, oh my God. Every, every writer I've ever had a problem with, I saw in that man's eyes. And then also myself. Yeah. And it was just like, I feel you yeah. so much. I, I'd say I feel your frustration with Mr. Sunshine, but I also want to read that script he wrote. Yeah. Like uh, that just... Uh, and, and yeah, It sounds uh, horrible, but I really am curious. It was, it was an interesting month. Yes. I will say <laughs> that Mr. Sunshine was... It's not Matthew Perry. Yeah. That's not the, the, no. sh- the, not the show. It was not yes. Matthew Perry. I would never say an ill word about... <laughs> 
Chandler, our savior. <laughs> I love. I actually, I genuinely love me some Matthew yeah, yeah. Perry. Um, he just uh, like so. I don't know if you noticed this, and we're going. I'm going to go totally off topic of games, but like at a certain point in life, did you go back and watch shows that you watched as a teenager and realized, oh shit, I have literally stolen all of my mannerisms, <laughs> all of my speaking rhythms from this character because I did, and that character was Chandler from Friends. And it's a bummer. Now yeah. they made uh, Nathan Fillion's character I've, I've in Destiny noticed, have have his yeah. spirit like I've had the exact oh, yeah, same weight fluctuations. What, I took Malcolm Reynolds coke. everything. Like <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Whoops a daisy. It's rough. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, it's like, hey, people liked Friends. <laughs> <laughs> I could have picked a worse character. I could have picked Ross. Not not me. No. All all George Costanza. Yeah. What can I do to be the loudest person in the room? Hey, I, no, I think that's a good choice. I want to complain louder I, than anybody else. I believe the else. proper Chandler enunciation is, could I possibly have chosen a worse character? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and we should probably segue to our normal format. Um, and we'll, we'll need to take a quick break first. Indeed. but Because uh, I super need to pee. <laughs> but I think the, the early chapters of your book, mm-hmm. you say something that I identified with hard, hmm. which is you like to play as thieves a yes. lot. Yes. And you, you played as them in, like, every RPG that allowed you to do so. And I, I do the same thing, and I thought it would be fun to look at uh, bands of thieves in this week's top five. Let's do it. So you're going to stick around for that? Absolutely. Awesome. All right, so we'll get to that right after the break. Thank you guys so much for listening, and if you like listening to stuff, it's a good thing this episode is brought to you by Audible. And before I tell you more about it, know that you can go to audibletrial.com slash lasertime and get started with a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial of all Audible is. What is Audible? They've got over 180,000 different titles to choose from, ranging from audiobooks, comedy albums, radio shows, some of my favorite old-timey radio shows, and you can listen to them all on your iPhone, Android, MP3 player, desktop, tablet, doesn't matter, wherever you can plug in headphones. Audible's got all your, your bestsellers, your Game of Thrones, your Harry Potters, the latest biography for from whatever comedian is you like, and they have become my go-to place to get audiobooks for an incredibly low cost. So once again, that's Audible, people, and you can go to audibletrial.com slash lasertime and get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial of the service. And we're back to talk about what else are top five, which uh, is a bit later than normal, but that's fine. Because that's all Walt's mm, fault. It is. of his <laughs> new book, which is called what again? Significant, Significant zero. Significant zero. Significant zero out Sign- September 19th. September 19th. Yep. Pre-order now. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, we're going to jump in with what? Top five thieves. Gangs of thieves. Well, how did you end up hitting on... Cause you, I, he gave you options for top five we talked well, about. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I got... I grew up playing RPGs. I loved mm-hmm. RPGs. Uh, I was a huge Final Fantasy fanboy, but also this one particular series, Quest for Glory. Uh, these games that let you not only like name your character but pick your class, and I loved thieves. I fell in love with playing as a thief to the point where I wanted. I was like, you know, it's not like a mage mm-hmm. where I'm making throwing magical fireballs. It's like I'm sneaking around, I'm stealing shit. You know what real people do all the time? They sneak around and they steal shit. <laughs> I can bring the game into reality, and I was like getting this whole thing together. Or like, I got my friends like, we're gonna build our own. Thieves Guild in Bozier City. We're going to have a hideout. We're going to learn to pick locks. We didn't do any. Picking locks is really hard. We never taught ourselves how to do that. <laughs> we, oh, but man. we did teach ourselves how to steal Playboys from the bookstore <laughs> in the mall. And, like, seriously, we had a five man system that I came up with that 
was brilliant. It's fully the outlined in my book. four of you, you fake seizures. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you didn't account for human error. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You see, my plan was that when you get a pornographic magazine, mm-hmm. you have multiple pages, and each page can be sold I on its own. pages from my fucking yes. elementary school. Now, everyone, if you're, if you're young and you're listening and you're wondering what we're talking about, this is pre-internet days. Ugh. Porn was not ex- easily accessible. Porn by the page was a hot commodity. We're talking $20 a page. I had buyers wow. lined up <laughs> at school waiting to purchase a page. And then someone in my crew said, yeah, but I want those boobs all for myself. Uh. And he ratted us out to his mom. <laughs> and the whole thing fell apart because there truly is no honor amongst thieves. Mm. So when he said, let's do a top five about bands of thieves, <laughs> I said, I, I am in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of the thieves in this steal pornography. Uh, uh, I'm not even sure what how it... much of it I stole. <laughs> I'm not even sure what pornography would be for the Gang of Thieves in our... Number five! Entry. Piper Faraday, notorious smuggler and occasional pirate, is having a rough time. A brutal gang of thugs called Scrappers are spreading across her turf in the outskirts. I know this one. Yeah, this you is, insisted uh, on it. SteamWorld Heist. Yes. Which uh, is a really fun game. It's a... Uh, like, I, I, I'm really into RTSs, mm-hmm. like... Literally, as Walt came in, I was, like, frantically trying to save my XCOM 2 War of the Chosen mm-hmm. save, because... Uh, but, I, Dave, you're into TBSs, because that's turn-based and uh, not real-time. Well, I mean, same basic gist. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. And I didn't know anything about SteamWorld Heist before being assigned the review. It's a, the that, second game in the SteamWorld series, The, right? the first one, SteamWorld Dig, Dig, which is a completely different game. Uh, but I randomly was just asked, like, oh, do you want to re- review SteamWorld Heist from uh, Dan Stapleton at mm-hmm. IGN? And I said yes, and I played this game on 3DS, and I loved it. I think it's the highest score I gave when I did all those reviews for IGN. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really charming. It's like these robots that have sort of, like, Animal Crossing-style speak mm-hmm. to each other. Yeah, they all have... Yeah. <laughs> Individual voices. Yeah. And when I g- think adorable, that's what I think. Yeah. That sound right there. Just yeah. horrible... <laughs> I think of Geth, Vax, just whispering into my ear as I sleep. But it, it, it's great in that it, it feels a lot like Firefly, where it's Ooh. just like you're yeah, you a roving me. gang on this ship and you go on into... the raggedy all- edge. Yes. You're, you're space pirates and uh, all these missions are basically heists where you're raiding these yeah. derelict or enemy vessels. Yeah, so well, yeah, a lot of the missions uh, just... They, the basic gist of most of these levels is that you, there's some sort of loot on the ship that you've got to mm-hmm. find. You go throughout the ship. You, you know, there's various paths to the the treasure. So you can send mm-hmm. multiple uh, party members in multiple directions. And like the turn-based part that I, or the RTS whatever part that I really like is that it it takes into account like ricochet shots, which is also a like it's mm-hmm. sort of like Firefly collateral over- damage. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like Firefly Old West style thing where you uh, can ricochet shots off of walls, hit enemies, and it shows and, you where they're going to go. So like, yeah. if you like see like an enemy, bobble. and one of, this yeah. is one of my favorite things about the game that you see an enemy and you're like, I want that guy's hat. Yes, you just line up the <laughs> shot so that it knocks his hat off, uh, and then if you can pick up the hat, it is yours, and you yes. can wear it on any of your characters. Which is mm. like, it's a it's a risky thing. Like, you can just like aim for their torso mm-hmm. and you you might kill them 
but you want to hit them in the head, knock the hat off. Yeah, yeah. And it's a little bit riskier of a shot, but and, it's worth it. Because and this this game follows a trend that we'll see in some of the later entries, in that you are building up a gang. Uh, you're going around. At first, it's just like Piper Faraday, the captain, yeah. and her first mate Seabrass. <laughs> and uh, you, you find other like uh, there's like a sharpshooter named Annie who like has these weird pigtails, which are at odds with her giant square <laughs> robot face. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you're just gradually building up, like, your your Final Fantasy roster of characters that yeah. live in your ship and can go on missions. Yeah, it's a really neat game. It originally came out on 3DS, came out months later on PS4, and I totally recommend it. It's The entire campaign is maybe seven or eight hours, which is short That's for... That's my sweet spot. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. Sh- it's short for a game like this, but when you compare it to a game like XCOM, like... It's way shorter, and you get way more out of it, and I love the whole, yeah, just Firefly with Robots vibe of it, but also you're stealing shit. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to a game. I think I might be the only one who's played this, but <laughs> we'll see. Number four. The peaceful restore. Whoa! 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 What is up, everybody? We are the ones who you all know as the Phantom Thieves. And all of us are alive and kicking. But those shitty guys in power, they've been manipulating information to try and hide the truth. This is The Phantom Thieves from oh. Persona 5. Oh. Oh, did I you actually play this one, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Because I, I, I just finished it, and honestly, oh, this is really? part of what inspired this top five. So Phantom Thieves are, you know, on the surface, this is a Persona game like other Persona games, if you've ever played one. It's like a high school-themed mm-hmm. RPG where, like, oh, you and your friends discover another world of mysteries and monsters, mm-hmm. and you have Personas that you can use that give you magic powers only in this world. The twist here is that all of your friends are people who have been somehow abused by the system Man. or by adults who think they're completely in power, mm-hmm. And you are using the metaverse as a way to strike back and adopt these, like, secret thief personas. We're counting on you, Joker. Joker? Not a nickname? Don't refer to it in such a lame way. It's a code name. What kind of stupid phantom thief would use their real name? I'm not down for that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you're so cool, Panther. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear that a lot. You're you're so gorgeous, Panther. I really I do uh, I do love the conceit of the game because when I saw Phantom Thieves, like you're just going to be stealing stuff. You're not stealing stuff. You're like setting up elaborate traps yeah. to steal truth. Well, it's from like, a person's mind. Part part of the best uh, thing about this game mm-hmm. is that like yeah, every dungeon is a heist. Yeah, and at the the culmination, you have this like really cool dramatic music. Uh, thing where like okay you've got a plan for stealing the treasure Mm -hmm. uh and the treasure is always like this person's deepest most distorted desire and by by pulling it out you get rid of the desire to commit the crimes that they've committed yeah Uh, or as uh mona your bizarre cat like mascot (laughs) helper describes it erasing a palace essentially means forcing the owner to have a change of heart however even though their warped wants disappear the crimes they committed remain Kamoshida will become unable to bear the weight of those crimes, and he'll confess them himself. So, how do we get rid of the palace? By stealing the treasure held within. 
Yeah. That seems a little unfair. I'm just going <laughs> to go is. ahead and throw that out there. They're totally like, is. I'm going to change who you are, but I still think you are very responsible for but what you did. If the persona of the games, if you know them for anything, they take a really long time. So they set up that everybody you're infiltrating is a giant piece of shit. Okay. So you have every reason to incept them. Yeah, it's like, oh, this guy is like a, a sexual predator at the school where he works, mm-hmm. or uh, this, this guy's trying to manipulate Japan into yeah. becoming his uh, personal playground. And this guy plagiarize some art fuck him <laughs> <laughs> fuck him uh, but, but I love I love that conceit because they, they're still thieves because they're in disguise the entire yeah. time and I know they're, they're like alter egos in other Persona games I don't, which I don't know that well but I do love that you have to remain in disguise the whole time mm-hmm. you have and to when you rip your games. mask off it like causes blood it's beautiful and, and, to be a master of disguise yeah. and like, yeah, I, that again. sounds like a bad mask <laughs> it's like you really need a better mask I, again, this game begins with a flash forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. There's a, there's several of those. And a helicopter here. crash for some weird reason. Why are well, high school kids in a helicopter? Yeah, Wait, did well, I write Persona 5? <laughs> What's going on? It, it took a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it opens with this like escape from a casino during mm-hmm. which your character is ambushed by about 100 cops and uh, dragged off into an interrogation room and forced to sign a confession. Mm-hmm. And that's when you name your characters, signing the confession. Mm-hmm. And then you're just, most of the story is like you're recounting it to uh, the prosecutor who's coming to interview you. And so every time you like make a new alliance with somebody, there's like a flash back to the flash forward thing where like it just goes back to the prosecutor questioning. He's like, you must have had somebody helping you Mm -hmm. get good at video games. (laughs) Who was it? Tell who, me their name. Who taught you how to eat the world record burger? <laughs> it's a Japanese game. It's, there's still all that in it. It's great. Very, very it's Japanese. Great. I, you want to guess how, how long it took me to beat that? Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to say 70 hours. 150. I was oh, going to say 102. Oh, ah. I'll, I'll just say you win. I, I had that situation where one dollar, Bob. It's my, my turn. P- yeah, Plinko. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> well, my P- my old PS4 is down there, uh, having just been operated on. Got our PS4 Pro. Tried to recover my save. The only save I could recover was 20 hours in, so I have to move from there, which means I'm probably not playing Persona for a while. Bonafide, Monafide! (laughs) Get me with Morgana every time. (laughs) Oh, she's good. Ah. Anyway, let's move on to... Number three! Sly! Come in! (laughs) Little obvious. Sly! Do you read me? Yeah, I read you. Loud and... (laughs) Very loud. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. Trying to break into police headquarters does that. Uh, well, you know that's Bentley. Yeah, I love I'll... doing Bentley impressions. Uh, any kind of nerd I'll just do right now. <laughs> uh, so S- Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus, and it's three sequels, mm-hmm. where you, you are building... Well, you, you start out with your, your gang of thieves pretty much built for the first two games. Mm-hmm. Broken alone, I was dumped at the town orphanage. There I met two guys who became my lifelong buddies and trusted crew. Bentley, techno genius and strategist supreme, and Murray, part-time driver and full-time burden. What does he drive? They drive like a, a car? van. Uh, okay. it's, it's a van with the, the Sly Cooper logo that he leaves as a calling card at the scene of every crime. So it's a miracle that it hasn't already been impounded and they've been arrested. So this is a universe in which multiple species cohabitate, but they yes. just still use cars. So, yeah, Sly is a raccoon. Bentley is a turtle. could possibly uh, heist this bank without a hippopotamus, yeah. a turtle. Yeah, a pink hippopotamus. Pink hippopotamus. <laughs> and they're being pursued around the world by a sexy fox who is an, a poli- an Interpol inspector. What a, what a cool conceit for a rare style platformer like 
that you're thieves, that you're stealing yeah. items rather than like like all these coins lying around that you're just hoovering up. You're stealing them. Yeah, when I when I go back and play a rare game or ukulele, it just it'll, collect this and this and this and this. Duh, huh? yeah. Uh, like, but why? <laughs> because you're a thief. Oh, that's really cool. And I have a team of people who's who are depending on me, who all have individual attributes. A, a neat way to gamify a standard platformer. It, yeah. Is the movie still happening? That's a good I question. Just, I just looked it up. It has a cast. It has no release date. It has a really weird image of it, Sly Cooper. It wouldn't I'm saying that's me. probably no. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if it was probably shelved after Ratchet and Clank didn't do so good. That looks awful. But um, <laughs> So but, I want to go back real fast on please. that sure. audio clip you played. Now, that third member... That he refers to as a full-time burden. Yeah, that's that not very seems, nice. No, that doesn't seem like friends. That's not a friendly <laughs> attitude to have. It's, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't turned state's evidence at this point. It's, it's yeah. bad camaraderie. That's the first guy who's going to yeah. break under pressure. Yeah, he's the yeah. one who's given the porno mag to the teacher. He's going to yeah. shoot the sexy fox <laughs> <Yeah>. hostage. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you get you do get to play as him in the mm. sequel, mm. and he he's you know a big hippo who punches things. Like we really need to add like a a huge brawler character to this roster, and then mm. uh, yeah, Bentley is going to eventually be in a wheelchair and like use mines. I, I, it's been years since I played these games. I'm probably he's a turtle. Totally it makes wrong. him faster. Yeah, but then by the time the third game rolls around, they're like, let's let you expand this roster a little bit. You will oh. get have a chance to recruit a. Like four different characters, mm. uh, two of whom were actual villains, uh, one of whom actually participated in the murder of Sly's parents. What? After a careful analysis of Dr. M's fortress, Bentley came to the difficult conclusion that his demolition skills just weren't going to be enough. If we wanted to get inside the Cooper vault, we'd have to recruit a full-time demolition specialist. However, Bentley's proposed candidate was a shock. My old enemy, the Panda King. <laughs> yeah, the Panda King is a guy who uh, has like a bazooka, is this huge uh, Chinese warrior, and yeah, was one of the part of the gang that snuck into Sly's house when he was a child, stole his family heirloom, and murdered his parents. There's uh, death in the Sly Cooper universe. Yes, there I, is. I, I uh, well, if it's parents, this. there's death in any universe. Uh, okay. Like, if you're an orphan. But then he's... When you find him in Sly 3, like, he's reformed and become a monk. And he's like, oh, well, I'll help you if you rescue my daughter. And uh, so you do that. And then he, like, has a bunch of scenes where he's, like, talking to himself in the mirror. It's like, you've disgraced us. Like, no, I'm... <laughs> I, that is I, exactly I, what happens with Jason Statham in Fast yeah. and Furious 8. It, uh, any high sequel is like, you remember that guy who was an asshole to <laughs> us and was trying to foil us the entire yeah. time? Wouldn't he be the best teammate? Well, that, yeah. Like, it, Actually, it, no. It, no, not at all. <laughs> it follows that same Fast and Furious Ocean's Eleven pattern where it's mm. like, yeah, the bad guy in the last one, he's mm. part of the team now. <laughs> I Why do not? like that. Audience yeah. I do, too, much. actually. I do, yeah. I do like I, that. It, it, it just works for me. It's it, it's it's almost cheating because it's always like the bad guy is the most interesting. So being able to fold him into the heroes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's also the second season of like any uh, like anime where like the first <laughs> season villain comes back and has to fight with the hero to fight the, to defeat the much more yes, powerful yeah. new yes. villain. Yes. Um, it, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's a pretty standard trope, but I like it. I it, like it a lot. It, oh, yeah, it always works for me. And then uh, the the other villain that you recruit was like a bad guy in the second one, where he's like this Russian mobster named Dmitri, who mm -hmm. like has this awesome. You you have to do a tailing mission with him, but it has this really cool like 
disco theme song that goes with it. But then you recruit him in the third one and he like does this first person scuba diving mission for you where you have to fight sharks. Mm. And is a little bit creepy. I'm not a fan of fighting sharks mm. in first person. I'm with you <laughs> on that. But now, so hold on. The Panda King uh-huh. is the only guy who doesn't get a name. He's just... He's an, just the Panda King. He's just an animal name. Mm-hmm. With, okay, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. He sells pandas. I think it there's a, like a, a koala guru who might just be called the guru. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then uh, Penelope, who's like this uh, remote control airplane pilot who gets, I, I, I think, sexed up a bit for I, the Thieves in Time sequel. I say that about the movie thinking that this is one of the most adaptable properties in all of video games to movies. The characters are really fun. They're really well designed. The the, the game always has a good sense of humor. That, mm-hmm. Like, when not a lot of games are doing that. Is it Sucker Punch? Yeah, Sucker, Sucker Punch, Punch, which went uh, on to do Infamous. Infamous. Ah. A game known for uh, its lighthearted tone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a goth kid covered in electricity. <laughs> <laughs> Only recently. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's move along to... Number two. No, that's not how we work. Well, you'll forgive me, but that's how we're going to work this time, all right? We're doing it my way, because as I recall the last time when we did it your way, we all got shot at, you got buried, resurrected, turned into a twat, and Brad ended up in a fucking prison! Yeah, and Lester told us not to do that job, but we did it anyway. And Lester sings pretty good, man. (laughs) Would you shut the fuck up, all right? I really like these three characters. Yeah. I love. Here's the thing: I don't mm-hmm. like Grand Theft Auto games mm-hmm. because I can get stuck in traffic anytime I want in the real world. <laughs> I don't need to pay sixty dollars for that. Yeah, but now you every can drive a Lamborghini or everybody. Every time one world. comes out, I buy it. I'm waiting for that to be the one that I'm gonna totally get hooked into. And GTA Five was the one, and it's all mm. because of these three characters that have no business yeah. being together. Yeah, that's great. Joining together and. Coming up with this, um, these ama- just becoming this band of thieves, desperate to get money because they're all so miserable with who yeah. they are. They're like, "What if we just stole a lot of? That'll fix us. That oh, yeah. will make us happy." Yeah, Franklin has the most justification for a rags to riches story, whereas Michael is bored uh-huh. and Trevor's a psychopath. <laughs> Where's my money? Huh? Where's my consultancy and my big fat dividend? I want a franchise network, Ron. I want reward cards. And- Merchandise. I want to make gun violence and drug dependency accessible to every man and beast from Whole Beach to Vespucci. I want country clubs and a depressed <laughs> wife with blonde hair and a hot little secretary who bounces on my boy. Uh, I want to travel to multiple dimensions, Morty. It's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, they have to cross over now. It yeah, has, to, have it has to be done. I, I'm pretty sure there's like at least one Rick and Morty mod mm. for GTA yeah. 5. Yeah. Yeah. See now. There, there has to be. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I just I just started this up for the third time, loading up my PS4 Pro and, learn, and learning that yeah. uh, my save wasn't carried. Now those first person oh. blowjobs look extra amazing. <laughs> but it, but, oh, it, but the, the GTA Five starts with a high scene, whereas like the yeah. other games like really make you wait to get. They're they're, they're like they're well, like GTA crescendo. Four does yeah, because it, like the whole point of GTA Four is like oh now you're trying to recruit, live an honest life yeah. in in New York and get a fresh start and like nah you're a criminal. But, uh, yeah, but GTA Five is uh, a, an insane game. Yeah. It is, and the, the characters feel so real in this game in mm-hmm. a way yeah. that I feel like, as, as great as the other characters were in the other GTA games, even mm-hmm. if they weren't, like, my thing to play through all the way through, these characters, and a lot of it comes from the performance, yeah. they are, yeah. as Trevor in particular, yeah. is so energetic. There's yeah. such a sincerity to his insanity in that delivery. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear him talking, I'm just, I'm like, I love 
listening to this character, even though everything he's saying is so reprehensible yeah. and yeah. terrible. Yeah. And I, I, think it's I love those... that that actor is also playing that same reprehensible character in, I think, both The Walking Dead and in, Westworld. In, in Broad like... City. <laughs> yes. Yes. In, in, in like, but that's the thing. Like They, they model the ca- the guy voice in the character. That's who he's Trevor's modeled exactly after. So mm. And I he think... shows up in Better Call Saul. Yeah, same, yeah, yeah, he, same he does. Thing. Yes. He shows up in a bunch of stuff now. Yeah. As all, no one, you could never have and, Trevor yeah. as a relatable character I, I on television. I love that when, when they were doing the press mm-hmm. tours for GTA Five, like they mm-hmm. talked about, like, oh, the the other characters will be off doing stuff somewhere in the world. You might run across them even, uh, but like if you switch between characters, you'll see what they've been up to. And like they frequently illustrated this by like, oh look, Trevor's waking up on the beach in his underwear, and now he has to fight a bunch of bikers to the death. Oh look, Trevor's on the top of a mountain in a little dress. Why not? <laughs> uh, that was really cool. Yeah. That well, Michael did the same thing. I noticed this a few hours in. Like one time, I switched over to Michael, and he woke up on a park bench on the on like a mountain park <laughs> mm-hmm. and like looks around and like sees a guy on a riding by on a bike and he's just like Aah! and I'm like does Michael have Alzheimer's? <laughs> What's going I think I'm seeing a deeper problem with like Trevor I get. Yeah. <laughs> but I think something's really wrong with Michael. And you know what I no one really commented on mm-hmm. about this game that I thought was super interesting? When it starts off, we're with Michael at his therapist, psychi- his therapist yeah. and he's a I'm like, this is an old guy with a lot of money, mm-hmm. who got money because he really got into violence, complaining mm-hmm. about how all these kids want or violence. And I'm like, are the Hauser brothers, is this like a cry for help? Are these guys like trying to say... <laughs> I I love the meta commentary <laughs> in those characters yeah. because, and I don't know this, but like, it's, it's odd to think back when video games are the most controversial medium. Now mm. that's probably YouTube and social mm-hmm. media. Uh, but like that GTA got all this credit like and you're paid to murder people like that never happens nothing in GTA <laughs> what are you talking about hold you're on, paid hold to on. murder people sorry all the let time. me finish <laughs> that that you're paid to murder civilians and firemen uh, and yeah. cops and like well, GTA never asked you it's not just that you, it's that you got points for it but GTA uh. never asked you to do that like if if you kill someone and they drop money, mm-hmm. then that's what happens. There's no incentive to do that. And then Trevor's this Other character the in 2015. Yeah, but it's like it's like thirteen dollars. Like just go sure. do a mission. Quit trying to prove me wrong, <laughs> asshole. Uh, but but fuck, like but then Trevor came out like yeah, he does murder civilians uh-huh. and he does murder for no reason. And it's like yeah. it is everything the media framed GTA as. That's what Trevor is. Yes. He's a, yeah. he's a mm-hmm. fucking psychopath. And it, it, like and I just couldn't believe how far we got. Not a blip. Not a blip yeah. in, the, in, in the media at all. Like this is this is the Grand Theft Auto you said existed. <laughs> and, and I love with Trevor, like, oh, you can pick up a random hitchhiker mm-hmm. on the road and you can take them where they want to go, or you can drop them off with your cannibalistic yes. murder cult friends yes. in the mountains because it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. You get a payout. And in terms of heist, the reason why I did load it is because I wanted to play GTA. On- Are you playing GTA Online? No. I, no. Well, because I think that's where like. I wanted more. I always wanted more heist in it's a GTA. It's the best game. part of the single player. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like you, it's multiple missions leading up to just one crazy mission yeah. where people eventually, that you hire are you meet, yeah. eventually you meet Lester and you get to expand yeah. the gang of thieves. So how do you want to do this? Run in through the front door or try to play it smart? Ah, you've grown wise and cautious in your old age. Okay, Dude. select personnel with that in mind. As ever, the better they are, the bigger the cut. He's so he much like just Bentley. Bentley. Yeah. That is goddamn <laughs> I'm also a turtle ah, in the Trevor. GTA universe. Doesn't make sense, but just go with it. I made Trevor a pair of pants uh, to pull off the heist. Uh, but, I mean, my favorite part of the heist is that 
you can actually run into Patrick McCreary, who was a character in GTA oh, yeah. Four, and he like if you take him on those heists with you, he just tells you like, oh yeah, I did this the same sort of thing with uh, Nico, uh, mm-hmm. and it was super fun. And it's like, yeah, just getting like these extra little flavor dialogues because you brought this particular person on this mission, Ooh. and if you hired them to do the wrong, like if you hired the worst possible guy. Then you will have a bad heist. You'll ha- like you won't have enough time to get all the jewels in the jewelry store yeah, if you hired I, a bad. I wanted uh, to get camera guy. GTA Five back for the online portion because the heist sh- shit is yeah. all that game is. And you remember how much fun we had in the office with like cops and crooks mode in GTA Four is online, mm-hmm. but it has no real purpose and punishment or reward. GTA Five does, and I don't know. If we t- talked about it because I'm usually so drunk on these <laughs> shows. Uh, they- I was like, Rockstar, where smugglers run? Just a simple, like, drive mm. the fuck out of this area and then drive... It just came to GTA V yep. They added online. it as a mode. I, I mean, I understand why it can't be its own game, but that's fucking awesome. I love smugglers run. That was the that was a cathartic Chris can disappear, remembers almost nothing game. <laughs> uh, but I they added that to GTA V. I thought that was really neat. So I wanted to check that out, but I didn't I didn't actually get a chance. I wanted to try and salvage my Aww. save. Uh, because I'll, I, I've reconciled that's a game I'll never finish. You'll never finish GTA Five. I've started it three times. I put long. hours and hours into it. <laughs> I know, but like you just—that's the thing. You get distracted, and yeah. it's—it's mm. it's very easy to get. It'll distracted. be forever until GTA Six comes out. I know. So you I have, have plenty of time. time. Have and plenty my time. The, the one thing I always wanted out of DLC for mm-hmm. this, and you actually write about like in uh, that you were doing like DLC for Spec Ops that never made it, and my my hope for GTA Five was like everyone, all three of the main characters, kind of have like a family or friend foil that is like super charismatic like there's a uh, michael's son uh Pete. yeah um <laughs> danny Tam- and the the juggalo friend of um of trevor, trevor mm-hmm. and yeah the, and um franklin's buddy mm-hmm. and it's like these guys they should do a heist together. they should that's the dlc heist. that i always wanted out of that oh game and it well, never Lamar happened is, Lamar, uh, yeah. franklin's buddy mm-hmm. and it never happened but oh. i think that game is making so much money hand over fist with gta line they're like nah no dlc it's pretty nuts <laughs> yeah well, i, I lost in damn no gay tony it's not gonna happen <clears throat> well anyway i went a more sentimental route with man is that an ugly friggin thing what is it some kind of weapon no hmm. no it's a Perba. It's a ritual object from Tibet. It's used to destroy obstacles. Huh? No, you know, spiritual ones. Oh. Wait a minute. Wait, could this be what Marco Polo was talking about? Kid, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Recognize that voice actor, Walt! That's my sexy boy right there. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Nolan North. A man whose voice will uh. always do it for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I like no joke. I miss that man so much. Uh, working with him was such a pleasure. He's such a fun guy to record. Um, he's, he's great. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I I wonder like if he ever caught wind of all the shit we did at Games Radar about. All him. we like, did was yeah. Nolan North watch when someone <laughs> Nolan North is in a game. It, it's yeah. it's unfair for him to I be think, the lead in five games like, in a year. But he's also three, NPCs in every yeah, other game. Too much of a good thing awards. <laughs> yes, and like, oh, but that's yeah. the thing when you're working with him, you want him. You yeah. just want him yes. to get everything because he's he is really. So 
such a pleasure in the booth. I hear he's super. So, didn't someone have a story like meeting him in like on a hike in the woods and he was fucking rad? <laughs> I can I believe from that. From VGA, like yeah, is he like meditating on yeah. a mountain peak or something? Do you need me oh, to do a bird call? I know them all. Just donate to charity and learn how to eat pussy better. Hi, I'm Nolan North. <laughs> like, uh, but just hyper charismatic, good looking dude. Looks like almost exactly like Nathan Drake, um, give or take. A couple Who he years. plays in this this yeah. entry? So Uncharted mm-hmm. uh, is another. It, it, it kind of plays fast and loose. Like it, at first, I thought they were like we're like Indiana Jones or Lara Croft. We're mm-hmm. not thieves. We're hunting for artifacts. Like nah, we're thieves. Especially in the, the latest game. Four. Oh, sorry, not Lost Legacy, yeah. but four. Uh-huh. Like it's it's all about shit. These guys are going to be here now. We need to infiltrate them. And you do. The the side characters have sub- more substantial roles. Yeah. In- well, like this is again like Fast and Furious or Ocean's mm-hmm. Eleven. It's almost a family that keeps growing. And in, in the first game, it's just like Nate <laughs> and Sully, and to some degree Elena in Uncharted Two. That uh, group grows to include uh, Chloe. Oh man, Nate! Uh, hey, wait, wait, wait! Now don't jump to conclusions, Elena. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. Am I sensing some history here? Oh, Elena Fisher, last year's model. Still one of my favorite quotes from that game. (laughs) And then, like, Uncharted 3 is all about, like, oh, well, Sully is really Drake's dad. And, like, that's what this whole story arc is about. And uh, then they, they really, I think, amped up the family motif. I thought they were going to kill Sully so hard in in 3. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they... Spoilers, they sort of do, but it's yeah. just a hallucination. Yeah. Uh, but then in 4, the family thing becomes even more palpable. You just want to hear me say it, don't you? really want to hear you say it. All right. Libertalia. <laughs> Libertalia! The long-lost legendary pirate utopia discovered after 300 years by one Samuel Drake. And? And, and his... Younger, slightly less charming brother who happened to be tagging along for the ride. You know, I always knew you'd make something of yourself one day. Yeah, just so you know, it's not my first lost city. You should, you should just hmm. enjoy the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Is it, why, why do game designers love Nolan Northwell? Um, well, he one, he's extremely versatile, to, yeah. be, intelli- to be totally honest. Dude, like, in he, Destiny, yeah. he's the fucking little ghost guy and he's been given an additional personality he's kind of the narrator of your actions yeah. in batman now. he's the penguin a I lot know. of people don't even know that yeah, yeah, like yeah. uh it's that he's extremely versatile he's amazingly talented like mm-hmm. you can write a shit line and nolan can make it good with because his he does delivery. have a, uh, he makes it sound a little more natural than yeah I, at least seven years ago how we expected voice acting to sound in a video game which yeah. seemed like no one gave a shit yeah and <laughs> and the, ultimately he comes in he lo- he loves what he does mm. he comes in he gives it his all mm-hmm. uh, and like he makes you excited even if you're already excited he makes you more excited he comes mm. in he's very easy to work with he takes direction great He's also really good at giving feedback to you mm-hmm. and working with you. Everything like we started working with him on Spec Ops after only the first Uncharted. So he was yeah. Nolan, and over the course of our five year production, he became Nolan North. Nolan North, <laughs> and, a, a voice pack option yeah. in all Saints Rose games. <laughs> like, that's insane. And so, like, we got to like be with him and watch that growth go. And <laughs> the thing is, he never changed as a person over all that. As the guy we were working with, he was always the Nolan that we started with at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of why developers love working with him mm. is just, you. 
it, it's rare that you meet someone who's that talented, who's also that cool and that down to earth, and that 100% game for anything you bring. Mm. Um, and in Uncharted, what I love so much, you just played that clip of Sam. Mm. What I love about Sam is that Sam proves definitively that every older brother is eventually going to show up and be an asshole with a motorcycle. That That is that is a thing that an older brother exists to do. And I was very, very happy to see that that continues into the Uncharted universe with Sam. Yeah, and I, I like that they, they introduced the uh, the flashbacks to, like, teenage Nate in yeah. 3. And, like, that was such a huge thing at the time. Like, I remember, like, calling... Uh, Hollander Cooper when I used to work with him like over and like check this out check this out come here look at this look at what I'm doing <laughs> and and like we're both like freaking out over like oh my god teenage Nate and then like they continued it with like even younger Nate plus his brother that we're introducing in all these like some of the best segments in the game <laughs> like infiltrating that mansion and it's just yeah. like this is like gone home and it's one level in this giant AAA like game wandering around yeah. with your brother and, yeah, yeah. And, and just like uncovering like this woman's life story through the artifacts and diary entries and other things that are just scattered around her cluttered house. Mm. Like that, that was an amazing It, it is. And I think to the credit of Naughty Dog, like, I don't know, like, uh, uh, Nathan Drake's a really, <laughs> sorry, I lost mm. it. Nathan Drake is a, is a really like a well-rounded, believable character. Mm. And, and when they like, Oh, we're going to take you back in time. Like, I didn't even know I needed that. I, did, I wasn't even curious. I just, like, I assume he's been doing this for years. Now, when I see the series as a whole, like, that's a lot of thieving. That is a lot of thieving. That's a lot of thieving. Man. Uncharted 3 is the first AAA game I ever played it for my mother. I brought it home over really? Thanksgiving one year, and she watched me play it over the course of two nights. And her main oh, wow. takeaway was, I don't understand why that kid's hands aren't getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, a valid, a valid question. Um, my main takeaway from Uncharted 4 was I'd gone this far in life without playing Crash Bandicoot, and fuck you for making me do that. <laughs> uh, you completely ruined my streak. Uh, but well, aside from that, uh, yeah, it was quite. It was I, I think you know. I'm thinking of some of the things you said uh, in Significant Zero about like the uh, player or the the character versus Avatar as as playable character, and mm -hmm. like. Uh, Nathan Drake's encounter with Crash Bandicoot sort of ruins the idea that, like, oh, this is me in this game because it's like, oh, gaming, this is nerd shit. <laughs> no, I'm I'm a cool man of action who hangs from ledges and shoots guns. I'm not yeah. into this stuff. Uh, how can I use my pit maneuver on mm -hmm. Doctor Cranium? Well, you know, this is the great thing about Naughty Dog games, and it really it really did start with uh, with all the work that Amy Hennig did on Uncharted. Is mm -hmm. that for everything that we tend to say that we love and want mm -hmm. from a game, you know, uh, player choice, uh, mm -hmm. nonlinearity, you know, characters that I can project myself onto. Naughty Dog says. Fuck you! You gonna yeah. buy this? Yeah, it's yeah. gonna. They're gonna be no multiple endings. That you are this person that we wrote exactly this way, and you'll deal with it. And we go, thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah, I thought <laughs> and, it was oddly refreshing. Where I thought I was really tired of that, and like, no, I just never seen a, somebody approach it with this <laughs> much polish. Yeah, well, I mean, attention. that's the thing. They come to their games mm. with like, hey, what if we wrote a video game like we were writing something better? <laughs> <laughs> See, now I don't have to say. It. Jesus <laughs> I get attacked all the time uh, for bad game stories. Jesus. Yeah, Naughty Dog could write a game where mm -hmm. the ending is the hero has to lift a finger literally to save the world and instead shoots himself in the dick. I was you play and Lost that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> did you play Lost Legacy? Uh, not not much. No, yet. I haven't, no, I haven't no, played Lost Legacy at all. Hours. 
But Uncharted but, 4 was a little yeah. long for me. I, I, but yeah. it's nice to yeah. see Nadine joining that family. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and again, the following the trend of the former antagonist being brought into the fold mm. as, uh, you know, you're part of the gang now, sort I mean, of. having not played much of Uncharted, it just... It's very different from the previous four games we talked about where it's like, we're going to case this joint and we're going to all have our roles, whereas mm. like in Uncharted, yeah. it's like we're going into a place that nobody's been in in thousands of years uh-huh. and... There's probably going to be people who also want to go in there. We're mm-hmm. going to shoot them before they get in there. Yeah, yeah. We had we had to re- traverse this ridiculous path uh, that in- made us <laughs> overcome several ridiculous obstacles. But somehow there's already a platoon of soldiers here. Ahead of us. <laughs> we'll just roll with it. I wasn't even thinking. There's that just that sequence early in the game where like uh, Sully's in your earpiece and uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's her name is out there and. Elena, Chloe, in the uh, in the party where you're you're just oh, yeah, yeah, simply yeah. infiltrating a mission. That's like full. That's totally a heist mm-hmm. with multiple oh, people yeah. participating. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, lots of fun. So that's our top five. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll do our usual new releases, news, other stuff. Stay tuned. Thank you, fine folks, for listening. Hope you're not too bored. You know what the perfect solution is for being bored and always has been? Goddamn video games. <laughs> That's why this episode is brought to you by Gamefly. And just so you know, you listeners can go to GameflyOffer.com slash LazerTime and get started with a free 30-day trial of the service. What is Gamefly? It's like Netflix, but for games, you should know that by now. You create a queue, they ship out two to three games to you. It's up to you. You play them for as long as you want, ship them back, and they'll just keep on shipping stuff from your queue. This is a great way to save money on not only playing a bunch of new releases, a bunch of old releases, because not only does Gamefly have over 8,000 titles ranging from PS4, Xbox One, Wii U, PS Vita, they go all the way back to the original Wii, the original Xbox, PS2 in certain cases. I know, right? And to sweeten the service even more, Gamefly allows you to buy a game back. Have you kept it out for a long time? Do you want to just keep it? Are you that settled into the multiplayer? You can buy that game back from Gamefly at an extremely reduced cost, and they'll send you the box and manual as if you purchased it anywhere else. Once again, you don't have to take my word for it. You can get started with a 30-day free trial for yourself by going to GameflyOffer.com slash LazerTime. You like Laser Time shows? Then you might like Bonus Time, Laser Time's weekly bonus show exclusively on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Here's a taste of what you've been missing. I'm not saying a tropical storm isn't big a deal. I just lived through a ton of them. All the hurricanes became tropical storms. All the hurricanes that came through pushed tropical storm force winds and rains. Tallahassee can handle the shit out of a tropical storm. Again, not a good thing, especially with something right behind it. I don't Hurricane know, Ty- Jamal? I, uh, I don't know. I, Hurricane Jamal Warner? <laughs> but that's a, where, where do they start with hurricanes? Did we miss Theo? A, what? Did we miss A through A through G? 
Yeah, Hurricane A through G. Oh, those are always like you, when you look it up. It's like it was some tiny storm that tiny happened storm. like off the coast of Puerto Rico. Uh, it, it was lucky something. enough to get a name. Yeah, like it's it's like just big enough to get. Like every time you look into that, you're like, oh, there was forty of those this year. Because sometimes you look and we like looped around in a year. And I know. baby Stormel Fog. But I, I want. to make it. Get bonus time, laser times weekly, full length, uncensored, and ad free Patreon exclusive podcasts, as well as full length movie commentaries, wrestling and cartoon video commentaries, the first season of Talking Simpson. And more at patreon.com slash laser time starting at just five bucks. You'll help us live and we'll do our best to help you never be bored again. And welcome back to our second segment in our increasingly <laughs> shattered uh, three you section tried to get show. That so fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. It's going to be long and it's going to be good. Well, no, yeah. this part is going to be short and it's going to be bad. It's not. We we saw a bunch of Bethesda games. Some games we can't talk about for I think one yeah. next week, one the week after that. Some fun and some other stuff that up. is uh, question mark question mark. But the one thing that we can talk about is Skyrim. Skyrim game of the year, twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. Which is coming? Twenty eleven? Is it twenty eleven? I think it was because twenty eleven is when yeah. like like I got it at PC Gamer. It might yeah. have been twenty twelve. Well, I think I think I only think it was twenty eleven mm-hmm. because like three like games that OXM gave tens to mm-hmm. like came within a month of each other. Yeah, November twenty eleven. Yeah, so mm. I mistakenly went into this the Bethesda appointment like. Skyrim on Switch is what sold me because mm-hmm. I put 100 hours into Breath of the Wild and I would like to play that again but like slightly more serious. Mm-hmm. And then I started playing it and I realized like yes this is a game that is 6 years old in some respects. Mm-hmm. It is slow and it is way more methodical and it is like it is a Bethesda open world game where mm-hmm. like there are so many systems at play and they told us when we got there you have 20 minutes to play this and I'm like what? What, mm-hmm. what do I do? <laughs> Well, I think, By the way, I haven't played. But the, this, this the game important from, thing yeah. is, is that like, again, not a drag and drop, but you're playing this giant thing on Switch yeah. with new options and new yeah. features. That is pretty cool, it, it, but like twenty minutes, like that's roughly the amount of time you need. Like, I'm gonna run up to a mountain and roll a cheese. I, I know, down but it. like, yeah. but less than like playing Skyrim on a Switch. Like, holy shit, this works! Yeah, holy yeah. shit, this this little this this giant game is on this little thing. Yeah. Did, did, did you think it wouldn't? You just played Zelda Breath of the Wild on that thing. No, well, it, like it's still. I swear, it's still astonishing to see shit like that. Like yeah. some something you consider, and even though Skyrim's not totally yeah. current gen, like something that big and that impressive. Yeah. Is now portable. You like, lot, it could have been on Vita this whole time and isn't. You do a lot of neat stuff. Mm, in, I don't know that uh, it could have been. But I don't know that either, but the idea that, yeah. that it is. Yeah. You do a lot of neat stuff in Breath of the Wild, but I think there are still more systems at play in, in Skyrim mm. where it's like you can pickpocket some. You can pickpocket somebody. Thieves. You, yeah, you can join multiple guilds. Oh, like yeah. you can level up in very there, different there ways. There are multiple faction side quests that are longer than a lot of standalone games. <laughs> and I'm not that. I'm not yeah. that guy who s- still plays Skyrim. But every time I load up Steam, you guys, my Steam friends, people are still rocking yeah. Skyrim to this day. Now oh, imagine yeah. doing it fucking anywhere. Yeah. That to me is really that. That cool. was that. That's way more what I'm into than the other Skyrim thing mm. I played, which was Skyrim VR. <laughs> and uh, the only the only way you could play it at this appointment, uh, I believe, was via PSVR, and they showed me one way you can play it, which yeah. is not the ideal way to play it. You, they gave me two move controllers, mm-hmm. and... The only way that you could move around with this was by jumping from point to point and by using the face buttons on the move controller to, like, 
and it's not analog. You are literally like you press one of the face buttons on the move controller not and you like jerk around 90 degrees and you jerk around again But it's so you degrees. can use you free up your hands to use swords and Which, spells. Which that was rad. Mm-hmm. I, I love that like it's one to one motion so like you move the sword around it mm-hmm. moves with your hand you move the other hand around and it moves with your hand and, and they 3D printed horns onto the PSVR helmet <laughs> oh, so, nice. so you look like the Yeah and, and it was cool Captain to like Skyrim yeah. that's the main character. It was right? cool to like shoot Flesroda and shoot fire onto opponents but it I would probably like to play that in PSVR mm-hmm. with a DualShock controller, which you can, which you can do. Mm-hmm. But they, yeah, they didn't have that playable there. But I, it's also like, you know what? I did play. I I played this for an hour mm-hmm. on Xbox 360 six years ago, <laughs> and I didn't play it when it came out. The HD collection mm-hmm. version, I think that was last year. Mm-hmm. And VR is not going to sell me on this. Switch is going to sell me on this, mm. and it is going to if I really feel. You know, a couple of months from now, when this releases, that I need a new Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. That's what it'll do. Even though I have to divorce myself from the fact that they, this is a six-year-old so game, <laughs> yeah. but it is like I I want to explore a new world on my Switch. Yeah. This is the only thing that stands up to Breath of the Wild in that aspect. But we saw we saw a lot of other Bethesda stuff that we'll be able to talk about later. Yeah, yeah. Over next the, hey, the next couple next episodes. week, the week after that, and there's one you other. You guys thing have been total dicks uh, to our awesome Bethesda content on our YouTube yeah. channel, but oh. um, we have a Wolfenstein recap from a demo from a few yeah. weeks mm. ago. Expect more of things like that. Yeah. YouTube.com slash lasertime. Not just streams. Part of the problem with mm-hmm. like something oh. on Skyrim in VR mm-hmm. is like you're you're talking about like the the movement is all like swinging ninety degrees in yeah, different directions. That, but it, there's like that that sort of compromise that you have to make because like so many people get nauseous mm-hmm. in in VR, and so you have to use little tricks to to mm. give yourself the same range of motion that you would in a video game and I think uh, two games that I've played uh, Eagle Flight mm-hmm. by Ubisoft yeah. full disclosure I work mm. for them Ew. also Space Chunkies coming out from, from Ubisoft mm. uh, where they, they put like there's a little constant thing in your field of view in Eagle Flight it's the eagle's head in Space mm. Chunkies it's like the grill on your helmet but it gives you sort of a sense of uh like the, here's an object in front of me, mm-hmm. and it's moving relative to me, so I'm not just seeing my point of view whip around mm-hmm. without any corresponding movement from my body. Well, I, I so it's not disorienting. The biggest flaw in in Skyrim VR is that mm-hmm. like it's like oh this wasn't designed with VR in mind because oh, of course yeah. it wasn't, mm-hmm. but it just gives you multiple different ways to experience it if you yeah. wanted to do it. And in it's VR. very cool that that exists. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It, like yeah. especially if you have if you're an adopter yeah. of that technology, you're gonna dig it. Yeah. Uh, but like that's that's what yeah. like anything that looked frustrating. It was because well this wasn't a VR game from the ground up. It's too big. Too much to do, too many things, too many abilities yeah. to be fully VR. And uh, I, I think that's, uh, granted I didn't do the research, but I mm-hmm. imagine that if you have the PlayStation 4 version of Skyrim, or the PC version of Skyrim, mm-hmm. I think you just get that and it's a thing you can Because, tr- like, you're not going to play the entire campaign that way, but if you're feeling saucy yeah. one night, maybe you'll but try if you're that feeling, for if a feeling hours. weird, you got PSVR, I think it, the price yeah. just dropped. Um, it's a neat way yeah. to experience, like, re-experience a game you already like. That's true. In a save you might already have. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even better. Mm. Well, shall we jump in with... That wasn't a new release. 
But Ban was there, so that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I got to uh, see in. Yeah, kind great. of a kind of a scant week mm-hmm. in terms of major releases. Uh, Rayman Legends Definitive Edition came oh. out on Switch. Rayman is a game I've never finished, but like I, it's. I love one of those games that you have that you just load up all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I've just I've, I'll play this for a couple of hours for four years. Mm-hmm. For four years, it's like one of the first games I had on Xbox One. It's still there, and I just play it every so often because I have played Rayman on almost every platform. Yeah, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's one of the best two uh, D games ever. You can play it with four players. Mm-hmm. You can use the touchscreen controls if that's your jam, mm-hmm. and uh, cut ropes and tickle enemies, stuff like that. Oh, um, love the UBR engine. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, it's so great. It's mm. the gift that keeps on giving. And most of the other major stuff is coming out at the end of this Mother week. Mother So we fuckers. haven't played it. Even though you guys went to Bethesda, I bet you didn't get to play Dishonored Death of the Outsider. No, no. no. Which is a, a standalone. We'll get next week, fingers crossed. Mm. But uh, And, of course, uh, Metroid. Yeah. I know. I read a bunch of reviews Samus on it, though. Returns. Yeah. Is it just called Metroid Samus Returns? Yeah, yeah and I keep messing that up because it's like, is it... Samus's return? Do I put mm. an apostrophe at the end no. of that? Nope, nope, nope. Because the Samus original return. Because the original was... As I know from working with Michael, Nintendo doesn't put apostrophes in the right places, and that'll oh. just get you very, very yeah. mad. Doc Lewis's, Lewis's punch hey, out. Look, I didn't title the game. <laughs> yeah. You're right, you're right. I didn't title the game. Punch out actually right. has an apostrophe in between the second and third exclamation point. I know that yeah. really annoys you, but <laughs> they did it, and that's their choice. But I read a bunch of reviews of Samus Returns, yeah. because uh, Metroid 2... Is it the bastard child of... Yeah. Uh, Metroid 2 Return of Samus, yeah. so even more confusing. Yeah, yeah the, the second Metroid game remastered. for Game Boy, like, do yourself a favor, look at it on YouTube, and you'll yeah. see, like, why is Samus so big? And, like, yeah. this, it doesn't look like... Because Metro, Super Metroid defined what Metroid ended up becoming. This yeah. is not... Metroidvania. I, and no. I, I can't... Um, it, like, they, there is a map system, but it's really yeah. vague... And but you, it's, a, it's still a very linear uh, game. But yeah. it's important. I, it's a it's a good game. It's a really good game. Yeah, but it is very confusing. Like not just, now. I mean, yeah. Oh, well, less n- now. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. And, and now that it's on 3ds. Mm-hmm. But like, it is not not as bad as the original Metroid. But it is still. If you play that on Game Boy, mm-hmm. it's very confusing. And you, there's one power that literally lets you stick to any wall. So that mm-hmm. means. Where is the net? Where is the exit that I I've, I'm missing? Could be anywhere because you can stick to a wall and go all the way to the. But that's not the, what you're really yeah. looking for in this Metroid game. No, no, and, and I mean now that it's on 3ds, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't matter, and, and they, it, they added in a weird parry system, hmm. uh, so you can like knock enemies back and weaken them uh, within a certain timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, ratio. I don't. I don't yeah. know exactly how it works. We haven't played it, but we probably will stream it next week yeah. if Dave ends up getting it because we have Ooh. 3ds. I, I did. I did pre-order. It, capable. So. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but but like, I don't know. I don't know that it's yeah. it's weird that it's it's a remake of Metroid, but it's the first new Metroid game in seven years. Man. That's not Federation Force. Yeah. Uh, or other M. But but like I think two was the most if you were saying which ones are deserving of a remake two yeah. was the highest yeah well uh, like there's there's a school of thought about remakes that mm-hmm. it's like oh well this was really beloved let's mm-hmm. remake it I think that's wrong yeah mm-hmm. me too because like you're you're never gonna at best you're going to just be a new take on the original mm-hmm. you're the cover song you're never gonna be the original yeah um, but then if the original like 
had potential but was kind of bad, mm-hmm. like Metroid 2, <laughs> uh, that's a great time to remake But we it. didn't like, realize it was bad at the time, and it's been made yeah. a little more yeah. modern. And but it it's, is... it's hard to play now. Oh, totally. You, you the try original. to load it up on an emulator. I it's g- not yeah. easy. I don't think Nintendo even ever made it into like a virtual yeah. console game on, uh, on 3DS. But or this is a way for them to stuff. acknowledge that, because the reason Metroid yeah. Story is the way it is is because... They don't yeah. want to acknowledge too. Now we can acknowledge yeah. it, and you can finish mm-hmm. the story of Samus. Yeah. Maybe this, I hope this isn't it. Yeah. Prime is Prime Four is coming soon. <clears throat> um, well, if this sells well, maybe we'll get more yeah. Samus. Maybe they'll convince I Nintendo that it, like they this wanted is, to sell well. They wouldn't, they wouldn't release it on the 3DS. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that time is gone. Um, well, uh, it's the Okami yeah. Den of its generation. Yeah. Oh, they're so Okami the news. Jesus well, Christ. Well, speaking of aliens, mm-hmm. we really got to build that wall. No, <laughs> actually, uh, I'm kidding. I'm Dave, kidding. Dave. XCOM. War of the, I, I have XCOM a clip War. of the president talking yes, about uh, that. Sonic Skateboard. <laughs> uh, XCOM War of the Chosen. Pleasant thing he said in 18 X- months. <laughs> XCOM War of the Chosen. I, I think uh, it was sort of out. offensive he was doing that imitation. Sorry, XCOM War of the Chosen. Uh, came out. This week on PS4 and Xbox One, it came mm. out like two weeks ago on PC, and it's a uh, it's a new campaign that you play within the XCOM 2 framework. Uh, they've added these new soldier types that you can recruit that are like basically warring alien factions that you've got to no. you've got to make them get along. How can they ever do that? Uh, Probably more war. Yes, mm. but what? So I've played a, a a bit of it so far, and we. By the time this episode goes up, we will have streamed it. Uh, but so far, I what I love about XCOM and XCOM 2 is the meta-narrative that you make with the soldiers that you recruit and name after your friends or fam- and family or Dragon Ball Z characters or whatever. But it's basically... Like, there is a story there, but it is basically to serve whatever you want, you know, your individual soldier stories to be. And... It's such a minor thing, but my favorite thing that they've added to this is every time you complete a mission, you make propaganda posters, which are <laughs> your soldiers, like, job well done, soldiers, here's them posing together. Or, uh, Henry Gilbert just became a sniper. Let's make a poster about with him and a sniper rifle in the shot, and it's, like, just such cool stuff that adds that extra little layer to the story that you're telling yourself in XCOM. And then another little thing that they've added is, and something that other strategy RPGs, tactical RPGs have done, where there's relationships. So now, in if you put two people together in missions, mm-hmm. like Michael, mm-hmm. you and Diana, or Tyler, who... Dies every time. He, he, he will die, <laughs> but Anne Lewis will probably not die. But she'll have that bond with Tyler because I make them go together in a mission to mm-hmm. this side and uh, do some like kill some aliens. Can they get married? They get married. Isn't that your apology that we we weren't able to stream it on Tuesday like we were supposed to? So yeah. you're, you, I, I, what was your apology? If uh, we're still that doing this? there will be various laser time community members in in the stream as well. <laughs> that people in the community, Dave's going to make into characters, and we're going to murder they're probably, you. They're probably Probably gonna die because yeah. if I'm playing on a stream, I'm playing at like fifty percent of my skill level, which is still not great. <laughs> stop! Stop criticizing. Stop overselling yourself. Look, we we were just at Bethesda where it's like I'm playing 
a game that I know I'm recording. I'm like, I suck. I, I, and th- when I put I, up this playthrough... I can't wait to talk about this because I totally saw yeah, all cause this. Yeah, because I think you guys may have <laughs> talked about this last week where the guy played Cuphead, mm-hmm. which granted, like, that was Dean really Takahashi. bad. Dean Takahashi. Yeah, never cool. about I've, I've, yeah, he's at demos all the time. This guy is like a, a, a professional. He's a yeah. great reporter. That guy has been in newspaper journalism. He, yeah. he was at the San Jose Mercury. He he uh, is like the... I'm, I'm not sure what his title is at VentureBeat and GamesBeat. Mm-hmm. He's like the head editor slash reporter. Mm-hmm. He is brilliant at his job. Yeah. And in his defense, uh, I've watched that video. He says that he was interviewing somebody at the time. Yeah. I have enough problem playing a game and doing well while just talking about the game yeah. as I'm playing oh it. Yeah. I well, can't imagine if your attention's divided that you do particularly me, me, well. Me, I sat down today yeah. and had my gameplay recorded. And... When I'm previewing a game, it's like, well, I'm touching every corner of the environment. This looks yeah. bad. Also, I have to stop um, for ten seconds to take notes. And yeah, it's like, and I've never, and sometimes yeah. I've never played this game before. Yeah. That's what a stupid thing to judge someone. On. I, I know, yeah. like, I do think you should present the game with someone who knows how to yeah, play you it. You should also, support, but you don't properly, always have yeah. that opportunity. And yeah. I, I didn't have that opportunity today. Yeah, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna edit around it, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> but if I posted the shit raw that I did today, it'll look. It'll look terrible, yeah. and it's it's not it's not my fault because I I fucking finished before anybody else. <laughs> I did great. I did amazing. He came first. I did. <laughs> I ejaculated before any other Good person. For from you. My, what, what, what are we talking you about? You win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Do you have? Take my advice. Do as I say. Save a little money for a rainy day. What are you, boy? Oh, Any boy. game deals? Do I? And uh, if you li- if you like that talk about Star Wars Battlefront, there is no reason you shouldn't catch up this week because everybody's got a deal for you. Um, PSN. You got PSN? Who's got PSN here? I didn't calculate uh, whether this was plus or not. I should have done that. But you should have plus anyway. Yeah. Uh, Yakuza 0 is 35 bucks. Street Fighter Ooh. is nineteen ninety nine. Near Atoma... Automata, I believe Automata. I've heard it's pronounced. Automata. No, no, it's it's like tomato. Yeah, it's uh, near, like automata. near tomatoes. It's actually near a game about uh, <laughs> making sure tomatoes don't get too close to you. Near Automata is thirty eight ninety nine, which mm-hmm. like it's just one of those games that like its build has been slow yeah. and may never go down in price. Best Buy, I think, has it uh, a little cheaper if you have yeah. GCU. It's becoming like a game of the year contender that I'm kicking myself. For. Yeah, I mean, not me knowing too. a damn thing about. It, it is really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've I've finished. I've gotten like the five main endings and yeah. it's like I'm still not seeing like the brilliance that everyone yeah. else is talking about it's a lot of fun I really like the characters I, because it's really good yeah. it's just not that good I'm only now realizing it's not like, transcendent but it's the, amazing only in the last month have I realized that Nier is not Neo which is a different game but anyway go on uh, <laughs> The Warriors I hope it's the right one Eight ninety nine on PSN one of my favorite oh, yeah, games uh, it's a PS2 version that you play on the PS4 comes the trophies. Yeah, that's a great deal. Uh, and then Star Wars Battlefront, which mm-hmm. uh, has been maligned for not having a campaign. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. One of the most beautiful games I've ever seen in my entire life, one of the best Star Wars games I've ever played uh, on PSN, is $5.10. <laughs> that comes with the deluxe edition and everything that was in the season pass. All the game modes, all the characters, five fucking dollars. Wow. This is a two-year-old game. Uh, but you can save a little money if you want to buy it on uh, Xbox Live. For a rainy day? Uh, <laughs> save a little money. $4.50 with gold members on Xbox Live. 
Uh, speaking of XBL, uh, I, I forget how this works. Microsoft.com has some digital games on mm. sale. You have to buy through there. I don't know if it works if you buy through your Xbox. I think it does. I, I hope it's all relative. Uh, but I, I wanted to give a shout out to Pac-Man Championship Edition. No gold required. It's six fifty. That game is fucking great, mm-hmm. and it, we it has it has a ton of views relative to us on our YouTube channel. So I don't think anybody was talking about it. That game, the first Pac-Man yeah. Championship Edition, really good. This one really good too. Check it out. Uh, Dark Souls Two Scholar of the First Sin is twelve dollars. Wow. On HBO. No gold required. And there's 40 to 70% off of a bunch of Namco stuff, including Dark Souls, One Piece, and Dragon Ball, and I'm not going to go into it. You should check it out for yourself. But if you have gold, X- uh, XCOM 2 Deluxe Edition, $30. It's half off. We want just the vanilla stuff, none of the new... Yeah, I don't think that includes War of the Chosen, but it's still... That's a good well, deal there, there's the vanilla XCOM. edition for $24. Yeah. Uh, and then Overcooked. Hey, I got to plug Overcooked. I really like that game. Gourmet Edition, seven, $7.09 on gold. Uh, Best Buy, Nier Automata, $27.99 if you have the GCU deal. I don't know what that is, and I don't have it. But Gamers Club Unlocked? Gamers Club Unlocked. I, I still don't... I don't George, Clinton George Clinton Unfunked. George Clinton Unfunked. And Zelda, uh, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, 3D, the best version of that game for 3DS if you're firing it up for Metroid, $12. Again, these are games that don't go down in price very often. New game deal, BundleStars.com, never heard of it. Hadn't used it, but... My uh, Steal Your Identity. No, no, wait, they're not Equifax. They don't, don't because they have a, a deal with uh, uh, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers Games, so it's a pick three deal for $12.99. These games are a little old, mm-hmm. but you can pick any three of these games. Arkham, Batman, Arkham, anything mm-hmm. but Night. That means City yeah. Origins and Asylum. Uh, Star Wars Force Awakens, the Batman Trilogy Pack, which I think counts as one game. Wow. Uh, Injustice 1, Mortal Kombat, not X9, but is still really good. Twelve ninety nine. pick any three yeah. you want in, uh, among a bunch of games. Lego Avengers, all that shit. And finally... Uh, Humble Capcom Cross Sega Cross <laughs> Atlas Bundle, which I <laughs> wish was more interesting than that sounds, but it's on Humble Bundle right it's now. It's pronounced X. Uh, it's now Cross. It's yeah, cross! I, I know it's Cross. I'm kidding. Um, but uh, if you want to do that, $1 or more <laughs> will get you Xenoclash Xeno 2, Sonic Adventure 2, Bionic Commando, and more. Uh, pay over at this recording $7, about six fifty. Uh, you can also get Dead Rising 1, I believe, the remastered version. This is all PC. Uh, Resident Evil 4, Sonic Generations, the classic pack, everything, <laughs> and more. Pay over $12. Motorsport Manager. I, I'm sorry. I should have I should have <laughs> kept that at the end as the topper. <laughs> but also Devil May Cry 4 Special Edition. Uh, and all of that comes with bonuses like 50% off <laughs> Street Fighter V, uh, a bunch of other discounts for Sega Atlas and Capcom games in there. So a really good way to save money. Get good games! Yeah. I'm done! Wait, Chris, I, I, I did send you one other what? game deal, which it. is the king of game deals. This is better than Madden and Doritos. Madden. The uh, king of what? <laughs> uh, so, uh, NASCAR Heat 2, which just came out this week too. Also a new release. Play that song That's game. Insane. You don't have to. Don't worry about it. I will. Uh, but anyway, NASCAR <laughs> Heat 2, which is 50 bucks. Were you waiting? For if you to buy play NASCAR that? Heat Two at, at retail, it includes a voucher for fifty percent off the purchase of any ticket for any twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen NASCAR sanctioned event at any of the eight Speedway Motorsports locations in the U.S. 
You're getting a free NASCAR ticket. That was off the top of the dome. Dave did not read wow. that at all. He just I knew, made up that deal right now. He just knew that. <laughs> but still, there's a thousand fucking games based on real world events and athletes. Yeah. Nobody offers discounts. Yeah. Uh, I think I think like, if you what, buy a WWE, Madden game yeah. had like a, a, a NFL network yeah. deal once. Yeah. But like a deal, oh, like yeah. can you imagine if a WWE game came with like Dude, fifty dollars off yeah. a ticket? I'm buying to them every year. I I will visit. I will go to a WWE event like every other time they mm-hmm. visit. But if I had like ten bucks off a ticket at a mm-hmm. WWE event, I would totally You'd have to consider yeah. it. It's a, I think that's a great deal. If you, I would, dude, I would never go to NASCAR. Oh no no no! It's but, it's, it's the worst sport for dumb people. Uh, but dude, if I had a free NASCAR <laughs> ticket, yeah, I'd go. That's really great. Yeah. Did I tell you? This is a dumb story. Uh, I did. Oh, my, my friend's lawyer father put us as freelance PR people, <laughs> and we had to film a guy who was faking workers' comp, and but also running NASCAR. Uh, so we had to infiltrate NASCAR and film it. And in hindsight, I feel like a total piece of shit because I think you should fake workers' comp all day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the only time I've ever been to one. It is the loudest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Wow! Uh, but that's my NASCAR experience <laughs> and the end of game deals. Take my advice, do as I say, save a little money for a rainy day. Thank you! Alright, well, let's segue... We're out of beer! Oh, fuck! (laughs) We're out of beer! God damn you, Walt! Don't Uh, buy his book, which is called what? Uh, Significant Zero. On sale September 19th. Don't buy it! It's only the first of its kind, a game writer telling all, and (laughs) the things that you don't get to read that much. It's super entertaining. He also barely drank the beer, so... That's true. All right, let's segue straight into... Hug the woman in that sound clip just this week. I just want to say that. I miss Anne. Uh, so, don't know if enough about these to actually talk about it, but there was a bunch of new iPhones announced today. But the gaming uh, element of it is that yeah. that game company yeah, who Sky. developed Flow, Flower, and Journey, uh, they revealed Sky, which is, for now, exclusive to iOS platforms, which is iPhone, iPad and Apple TV. Apparently, 4K. just a timed exclusive, though. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think okay. so. They, they, it is. It's. I would say definitely a timed exclusive. I didn't actually watch the demo, but I heard but, it's a lot like. Journey. But Apple doesn't have the terminology in their brains to like tell you that this is a timed exclusive. Yeah. But it's still insane. The people who made the next game from the Journey people. Yeah. Yeah. Is it exclusive to Apple? And I can't wait to tell you the interesting way this is fucking up my world. Huh. That coming up on a later podcast. Okay. <laughs> but Sky, I really can't wait to. I really want to know what Sky is mm-hmm. and play more of it. Yeah. I uh, love well, that well, game company. Speaking of stuff that's fucking up your shit, Chris. Oh, God. Uh, the SNES Classic. <laughs> uh, Nintendo has said that, and they, they've put out various things this week saying, like, that was re- crazy. relax, guy. Uh, yeah. Reggie Fizeme saying, like, so Do not be. That don't was pay. The don't coolest pay thing a company bucks. man did yeah. is says, "Don't pay more than eighty dollars for yeah. this. We'll have news later." Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! So, Jesus, but, but then, like, people still referred re- replied to that with, "Like, fuck you, Reg. You don't know what it's like out here in the trenches. <laughs> We're killing each other and drinking our own piss." I know what it's like. I'm tripping over NES classics. <laughs> I, I play Star Fox Two every day while I take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the SNES classics production will. Pr- 
will continue into 2018. People originally, I think the original reports were that it will be would be like the NES yes. Classic and just produce for a like a uh, one holiday season and then that's it. But so. Uh, on top of the SNES, you know, I'd, I'd be fine with it being like the McRib, and this is just something <laughs> yeah. Nintendo brings back every couple years That's, around that the holiday season. Yeah. That would be fine. But yeah, on, on top of the SNES Classic having a longer production schedule, the NES Classic will also be returning next year. Returning! Yeah, which is great. And mm-hmm. I think, I, th- I feel like this is just Nintendo catching up to demand. Like the S- NES Classic, they were they were caught with their pants down. And uh, I I would only disagree because I feel like there was some plan in place yeah. where this it was officially bad PR for them to continue denying these things mm. because what no one's asking once again the Switch has been out almost a year where's the Virtual Console yeah it does not exist and there's no plan that's just I, I feel no like date. it's not a financial model that worked for them like I don't I think nev- it is either I I don't think that I mean they never even put out sales figures like here's mm. how much this game sold on the Wii Virtual Console or the Wii U Virtual Console I saw some of it not good yeah None of it. it it, it just seemed it. like who cares I I only care because I'm fuck I'm on Nintendo Life every week yes. to find out what the new I want to play Nintendo I want to pay 8 dollars to uh, play a blurry version of Super Punch-Out yeah. How can I do that officially? <laughs> so it make I I feel like they finally found like the perf- perfect confluence of like who has this Raspberry Pi processor? And who has this hunk of plastic for the cheapest possible amount? We finally got it. We're finally making good money on the NES Classic, and now we're going to turn it out. I, I read that part of the, the reasoning there was like that uh, mm. other retro consoles, like the, the Atari Flashback, yeah. mm-hmm. the Sega Flashback, do not do so well. Yeah. And part of that is because they don't have HDMI ports yep. uh, until, like, maybe recent revisions. I know mm-hmm. the, the Sega one doesn't. Mm-hmm. But then... Uh, Do yeah. they have, like, a video and a mono audio out? Uh-huh. Yep. Like, the last one I bought. Yeah. They're like, mm-hmm. do you even have a TV that has <laughs> I that don't anymore? know anymore. <laughs> don't know anymore. Tune in a bonus time where I tell you... Uh, what my 4K capabilities are. Because yeah. I didn't know until Your I hooked four them up. 4 capabilities? 4 capabilities. Uh, Not good. Also on bonus time, you talk a lot about your exploits in Destiny 2, <laughs> which uh, Activision and Bungie re- uh, revealed that Destiny 2 hit 1.2 million concurrent players, which was only on Xbox One and PS4 because it hasn't even come out on Steam yeah. yet, which is, that's impressive for, like, first week playing. Like, one, that means more than... Like one point one and a quarter million people bought this it's, game. It's, that's that's the many people that decided to play that at the same the same time. day. Because like right right before we recorded, yeah. we finally hit like server capacity yeah. on a game that's a but week that, old. That didn't happen for the first week. No. Or so. That's no. that's amazing. No, like it like, didn't happen the first night for me, not at yeah. all. Um, and and but I love Destiny. I love Destiny 2. It is one of those weird things when I ask people what they want from a stream. We want you to play more of a game and be more knowledgeable. Like I couldn't be more knowledgeable of Destiny. And our YouTube views prove you have never cared, <laughs> or that everybody who cares about Destiny is playing Destiny Gotta and not unlock watching those me play. Premium emotes, dude. Uh, those those are awesome. The Salt Bay emote, just Jesus Christ. Salt and, and the Chicken Dance. The Chicken Dance. That's the fucking Arrested Development. More than anything else you showed me. It in has that game. the Monty Python yes. silly walk. That is one of the emotes you can do. When <laughs> more than it. anything uh, else that you showed me in that game, like I want those emotes. No, I, I I genuinely love that game. I wish you guys were more into it so we could play it together. Uh, but I, d- I did have that experience. Yeah. I played with my childhood friend and Michael Grimm, and we kicked the shit out of the game over the course of like seven hours on Friday. <laughs> nice. uh, awesome. But who needs a new game like Destiny 2 when we have 
Uh, as always, there's a bunch of games that have been uh, remastered for PS4 and Xbox One, including Okami HD, which comes out on December 12th and will have 4K support on PS4 Pro and Xbox One X. Sweet. Another, t- another chance to buy it and convince myself this is the time I'll play yes. through it. I, I did play through the PS3 version. Really? For, but Well, not all the way. It's a big fucking game. Yeah. yeah. But that's you know me. I'm a big animation dork. The game looks better every single fucking time. That's amazing that a game that was originally envisioned for PS2 is yeah. like, yeah, we made this to look but they, this good. They cell shaded it, and like it's supposed to... It's it's has an artistic style and it looks really good. It plays really yeah. good. It is really fucking fun yeah. and really goddamn good. So where whatever you're doing at Christmas, I thoroughly recommend Okami HD. And that's a, I mean, you should call a, it that, Okami that, 4K. That, that's kind of a genius move on Capcom's mm-hmm. part. Like, yeah, put this out in December because by the mm-hmm. end of November we'll be so just spent with shooters and triple H games that like. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Okami, that Okami. game that I've continually forgotten to play. The charming, gorgeous game that. that's like like half action, half thoroughly relaxing. Yeah. It, it's fucking great. It's yeah. really good. All that said, that IGN logo in 4K is going to look damn it. amazing. Why do you keep bringing that up? Uh, and also getting updated for PS4, Xbox One, and Switch and is Switch. LA Noir. <laughs> Like Lanama. Yeah, which why, I, why the, wincing, the most surprising <laughs> remaster. Like I know I know that, you know, two K or sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh Rockstar. Rockstar, they did GTA and mm-hmm. they're gonna do uh Red Dead Revol or Red Dead Redemption. LA Noir I just thought like, oh that's trapped in time. No. And, mm-hmm. No, no it, this, it, I think that like it's not the same as how we talked about spec ops. Yeah. Because it doesn't do anything that drastic in the writing, but it's still a fucking. It's an amazing, oh, yeah. amazing interactive product. Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, uh, and they they made a. Uh, I, I think they made a upres or a retexture yeah. for PC, oh. so it'd be really great. Consoles yeah. never got that. And they it, never got a yeah. definitive LA Noir edition. So yeah, the same day that it comes out on those new consoles, November fourteenth. Mm-hmm. If you have PC and an HTC Vive, mm-hmm. there's. Uh, the L.A. Noir VR case files coming out that very same day. Oh, boy. I can't wait to see something really gross up close and in 3D. <laughs> yeah. Great. I get to, <laughs> or, I get look, to or look at a, a cast member of Mad Men's face twitch. Yes. What did that mean? I don't know. Why don't you jiggle your face in between everything the Black, black Dahlia threw on the ground? <laughs> yeah, stick your face into half of <laughs> And that's the news. That's the news. Well, that leaves us with the community segment, which, as always, is segmenting our community. Mm -hmm. Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was, what's your most memorable experience with a game launch? Uh, Frankly Man started the forum thread saying, my most memorable experience was on a game's launch day for a game I wasn't even buying. Halo 3, at the time the biggest of game launches. Not being a fan of the series or knowing it was release date, I walked in the store and grabbed the game I actually wanted and went up to the clerk. Before I even said anything, a cliche pasty, spotty, Mountain Dew drinking looking teen hand me a copy of Halo 3 without me asking. When I asked what he was doing, he just responded with the price for Halo 3. <laughs> $59.99? I said, oh, is that out today? Thank you, but I'm not interested. 
He then slowly looked up with contempt in his eyes, as if I just personally took a shit on his copy of Halo 3. He snatched the copy back with a force to induce a game case paper cut equivalent and asked me to get out of the line and not waste their time. I immediately put down the copy of the game I had in front of him. Why? I'm just trying to buy this. That game was Prey on sale. (laughs) I remember that. Seemed fun enough, and it was. However, to this guy, I've apparently just taken another shit on the counter. Prey? Really? Why? He laughs, and I'm serious, then said, If you're a real gamer, you want Halo 3. By this point, I was tired of this smug future gamer gator and leaned in and said with a hushed but stern tone, No one cares. I don't care what games you don't like. Do you want to take my money or not? <clears throat> he looked begrudgingly and acting acted very slowly as the transaction went down. As I left, I turned and asked, Have you played Prey or even Halo 3 yet? Of course the answer was no to both, so naturally I laughed before leaving. That was wow. the only time I got shit for buying a game. The clerk did not work there very long. My best guess is probably getting fired for yelling at an eight-year-old girl buying a Wii <laughs> game or something. Why don't you play No More Heroes? I, I will. Like The reason why I pimp Destiny is like, Destiny's what the Halo makers wanted to do with yeah. Halo and mm. couldn't. And you have that. Yep. And, and meanwhile, everybody gets mad at me every time I say anything. Halo Wars <laughs> 2, not what I wanted. Destiny is the Halo I wanted, and it should be the Halo you wanted. You should check it out. Hmm. Oh, and if, I, I didn't say this. Uh, this is really cool. So uh, we didn't get to talk about Destiny because we hadn't played it that much, uh, and I'm not going to talk a ton about it. But everything you do helps progress through the game. Uh, uh, Triskitable created a Laser Time community, and everything you do now benefits the community, and everything the community does oh. also benefits you. So you, you don't have to play together. You don't have to talk to anybody in the Laser Time community. Just say, join the community, and you'll everything you do will benefit the community, and everything the community does will benefit you. Sweet. It's really cool. It's something that wasn't in the original game, but they have plans now. If I can help now. Galton of Carhartt, then it's all worth it. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, it's great. I'm serious about that. Uh, Triggle Bez said, My most memorable experience with a game launch was Gataf, sorry, GTA 5 in 2013. I remember it being a big deal for me for years. My father would never let me play a GTA game. So going to this midnight launch was, to me, a giant look at me now, Dad Fuck moment. You do. <laughs> the game was also launching on the same day as my official last day of high school, so all I could do oh. was play an hour of it before going to bed. I only got through the first two missions as the game. Took two hours to install. <laughs> yes, took two hours to install. All I could think about on the last day of high school was, I'm going to miss being here and let this fucking end so I can go home and play GTA Five. Hmm. I might play it tonight. Oh my god, I want to read this. Yes. Derp Derpson yes, said, uh, <laughs> Disney Epic Mickey for the Wii. The launch event was at the Disney Store in Times Square at 7 a.m. with the cold, harsh New York weather. It was so freezing that Disney gave us hot chocolates and churros for us. Oh, my God. Uh, Once inside, we had free sketches by artists from the development studio, Mickey Mouse gloves, and obviously the game signed by Warren Spector himself. I even got to be taped for Good Morning America while I played and failed at the Small World. Small World. Wow. Little couple beers. Small World. World 
clock fight. You tried it. someone else no. drunker than me. <laughs> small world clock fight. I thought Say, there were cock fights at Small World. Small Which world. Fight? Small world clock fight. Uh, you, uh, you got <laughs> cock in there. Yes. Uh, those On gloves purpose. are so cool that I still have them and uh, and with them nearly seven years later, having been through New York, Chile, Texas, Utah, and now California. I think Crescentista would be very jealous. No, no, no. Because Five Ten Brother Panda gave me my own Mickey gloves. That's yeah. true. So there. I very nice now. of him. A uh, defecating owl said, "My most memorable lunch was for the Wii and Twilight Princess in Orlando, Florida, what? during my college years." That's the Wii launch. Yeah, my buddy and I decided we were going to rock this line in style and bought a couple of car amps, backed our cars right up to the GameStop store we were buying from, and set up a PS2 and GameCube out the back nice. of our cars. We were first in line around 9 p.m. as the store was closing for the night, so it was quiet at first. As more people showed up, we had rowdy matches of Smash Melee going on at one car, and the same two songs from a totally legitimately obtained copy of the Warp Tours <laughs> Guitar Hero 2 demo playing over and over That's as everyone awesome. attempted to sate their appetite for more plastic instrument-controlled video game goodness. And honestly, who wouldn't want to hear YYZ on repeat for hours? Unfortunately, the GameCube started to prove to be too much for the amp to keep up with, and after almost killing the car's battery, we ended up switching in a DVD player and watching Batman the Animated Series for the rest of the night and morning. That is 25 years old, as of last week. I I wimped out around 6 a.m. and took a nap in one of the cars for a couple hours before opening, but I think it's safe to say we brought a considerable amount of joy to something that was the miserable experience of trying to get a Wii at launch. Two nights later, that we shit the bed with a memory corruption issue, and I had to wait for Nintendo to ship me a replacement. Awful. (laughs) That is awful. Uh, Lake Flaccid said, Guys, I've been listening ever since your hilarious dramatic reading of Halo Reach review comments. Just pointed out it's the anniversary of that. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. I laughed my ass off at that shit and showed all my friends at the time. Never commented before, though, so here we go. Uh, the only time I've ever stood in line for a game was my senior year of high school. Me and my four best friends were hyped to a level only high school nerds can achieve for Elder Scrolls Skyrim. We were huge fans of Oblivion, and it was one of the first games we all bonded over in middle school. Elder Scrolls held a sentimental value, and we needed to be there together. Although we were all big game-loving nerds, one of my four friends was on the tennis team and had a hot girlfriend. That meant he was able to transcend the outclass cast of nerddom. <laughs> the rest of us miserable saps were resigned to and signified one important thing. He could get us weed. <laughs> Over the course of the next few weeks leading up to the launch, we strategized, much like thieves. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the lockers and classrooms and on the soccer field during gym class, we meticulously planned every detail because being high school nerd stoners who lived with their parents, we had to line everything up so as to not get caught and still enjoy the game. Also, it's fun to plan. Uh, we would head to the mall that housed our local GameStop, rip as many bong hits <laughs> as humanly possible, and go wait in line. I don't know what sort of social machi- I don't know what sort of social masochism compelled us already anxious teens to smoke marijuana and get in a long line where people have nothing to do but talk with each other. But goddamn, it seemed like a good idea at the time. We were probably about 10th in line, and for the most part, we were able to just talk amongst ourselves. I know, though, that five people hotboxing in a car meant we smelt like Amsterdam, which would explain why GameStop employees just laughed at us when they handed us our queue tickets. 
I also remember seeing a girl from my class about 30 spots behind us with her boyfriend. I accidentally looked at her a little too long, and she looked directly at me. That normally wouldn't be so bad, but being under the influence, it freaked me out a tad. The worst part was that I did this awkward exchange uh, repeatedly because I, f- I would forget not to look in that direction. By the time we all returned to my friend's house, I was so burnt out, all I could do was eat a bag of Doritos and fell asleep on the floor. I couldn't enjoy the game until I woke up 12 hours later. To this day, I don't know why we didn't save the weed smoking until we got back game in hand. Oh well, that's my long story. Thanks for all you guys do. It brings a lot of joy to my life. Peace. Thank you, brother. Uh, Thank nice. you, Lake Flaccid. Uh, Norsku Champ said, uh, like a true Grove Street gangsta. I skipped school to get my copy of GTA San Andreas on the day it was released. Unfortunately, I did not uh, have enough credit- street credibility to purchase the game since I was a month shy from turning 18 years old. And therefore, my local GameStop clerks would not even consider selling me the game. Uh, I executed the infamous Plan B and approached some reliable-looking hobo outside the shopping mall. <laughs> I gave him the cash with the exact details of San Andreas box art and what to do. Uh, the hobo came back with a copy of Vice City, of uh, course. Oh, my uh, God. Pocketing, what, 40 bucks? This one has radioda. You love it. It's really good. Goodfellas spoke to my generation. <laughs> uh, that's all us. Uh, <laughs> that's all us done him. Uh, feeling less like a true grocery gangster, I returned home, got a stern lecture from my mom, and waited for a month for my 18th birthday, which of course was Sunday, so I had to wait one extra day for the GameStop to be open so I can legally purchase the game. Since we're talking about GTA San Andreas here, which was one of the most hyped and well-reviewed games of all time, you can only imagine uh, if they had any copies left when I finally would have had the chance to buy the game. Uh, I'll read Mom's Secret Recipe because, uh, Michael, you should read the last one. Uh, Mom's Secret Recipe says, I have a, a... I was so excited for the Dreamcast after seeing that freaking killer whale in the Sonic Adventure demo, I could not wait, so I ordered one from Japan. We're still in the dark ages of online shopping, so I had to write down the appropriate item numbers, mail the order form with a check, and pray I would actually get something. My modemless Dreamcast did arrive with killer apps like Psychic Force and Frame Grid. I felt so superior to all the peons playing their PS1s and N64s, I must have been insufferable. Yeah, the Dreamcast rules. Yes. Being on the ground floor was beautiful. And finally, Lil Deuce Deuce, Deuce, Deuce. says, uh, My best game launch experience is going to be later this year when I camp out for a copy of Just Dance 2018, published by Ubisoft, the best publisher ever, and featuring hit songs such as Beep Beep, I'm a Sheep by Lil Deuce Deuce and Friends. Why, surely this is shaping up to be the greatest game launch of all time. I can't believe we that, let him do that. That, is, that <laughs> is true. That is true. He has a song in Just Dance 2018. How much we love you. It's got its own video. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's no, great. It's great. We're super catchy. I Dave, Dave turned yeah. me in a little deuce-deuce before we that knew That Mighty Ducks song is like one of my like top 15 internet yeah, things ever. And granted, there's a lot of things on the internet, so mm-hmm. being in the top 15 is uh, you rule is no salt, small we love you. Uh, so, so true story, I first found out about this song looking at like a promo video mm-hmm. for um, for Just Dance 2018. I was like, oh, this song's kind of catchy. We'll look at the original version. It's like, by Lil Deuce Deuce. What? That Lil Deuce Deuce? <laughs> the, the fan Lil Deuce Deuce? Yeah. <laughs> I, holy shit. I, I, I'm sorry. I had no idea. He's like a prolific He's composer great. on yes. YouTube. He's, He's got tons of great stuff. Go look him up, mm-hmm. like and subscribe, etc. Um, anyway... Finally, we have a video answer from Lightwatch. Lightwatch. 
Hey VGA, it's Lightwatch. Um, I'm currently at the UCF um, main campus. Hurricane. Uh, Hurricane Irma is coming, so mm -hmm. almost everybody left, but I'm still here. Here's a view of just the part, one of the Whoa. parking garages. Oh, it's man. totally empty. Like There's yeah. a few cars, but it's mostly deserted. Usually it's entirely packed. There's some of the campus. You can see no one's there. Anyway, I'm currently on my way to go get lunch at one of the on-campus restaurants, the only one that's still open. Um, as you can see, it's just not a lot of people are here. Um, I went into this parking garage to get covered because it started to rain, but I think it's almost done raining now, so I'm gonna go back outside. Okay, it's still drizzling a little bit, but it's not too bad. Now you can clearly see though, it's really pretty deserted here. But that makes sense. That's what people do when hurricanes come. I mean, Chris, you know all about that. There's the flagpole. The flag is down, of course. Uh, it's really kind of foreboding. Kind of ominous. Really kind of scary. You know, normally when I was back home, um, I wouldn't go outside when the hurricanes were about to hit. I would just stay inside. But now that I'm like here, on campus and I have to like go out to go get lunch. I get to see that like no one's really out. It's kind of scary. Anyways, now for the question I suppose. <laughs> so what console or game was I most excited for upon release or have a most memorable moment with? Well, recently, or well, kind of recently, uh, my brother and I ordered new 3DSs from GameStop. Um, they were coming standard shipping, but at the same time we ordered Monster Hunter Generations um, through Amazon, two-day shipping. So Monster Hunter Generations came like in two days, you know, because Amazon's great like that, Amazon Prime at least. Um, but then we had to wait like two weeks until the actual 3DSs arrived. And it was right at the end of summer last year, so they didn't arrive until after the first day of school, which kind of sucked. But that's all. That's all I can remember. Um, yeah. Other than that, though, the campus just seems totally like barren. Not a lot of people here. There's a few people getting some stuff. Hopefully, the restaurant's still open. I just passed by some guys saying that they were closed. And a witch. Um. <laughs> but I'll soon find out. Anyway. Um. That's all, VGA. Have a great week. Uh. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you after I survive this. <laughs> stay safe out there. Yeah, survive it, they did. I've yes. been inundated with happy phone calls from family members from all over Florida. And friends, I'm very happy. Look, hey, nothing. no one's <laughs> going to fault you for over-preparedness uh, during a hurricane. So new question of the week. Uh, per Dave's suggestion just now, <laughs> what is a game that uh, you... Made up a story in your head about, uh, mm. like, because inspired by XCOM. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, Walt, yeah. Walt is a g guy who wrote a lot of That's true. video game stories that were who really actually, compelling. Yeah, put stories in video games. Yeah, but, yeah, occasionally, and especially during, like, the 8 and 16-bit era, like, you had so little story that you would just make up stuff in your own head. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, what's what's your video game headcanon, man? Yeah. Uh, but mm. this this could be something like, 
uh, yeah, I made up a story in my head about my XCOM operatives, and I always tried to pair them together, etc., etc. Or it can even be like, yeah, I love this game so much I wrote fan fiction about it. Yeah. Uh, why not? Like, just just uh, anything that you created a story about, any game that inspired you to do yeah. that on whatever level. Yeah. Um, did any of us do that? I, well, I, I, I did. And, and for me, nothing bridges uh, old school gaming and the internet together like Mortal Kombat. Because Mortal Kombat didn't tell you a ton of its story, mm-hmm. like pre-4. Uh, you would see it in a track screens, but you could never choose which one you saw. And, like, if you got to the ending, you knew yeah. the story, but it had no story apart from that. Yeah, and so, like, when one of the first things I discovered on the internet is, like, oh, someone bothered to tabulate these fucking inaccessible Mortal Kombat uh, bios on who these characters mm-hmm. are. <laughs> and because, like, we always thought we knew what they were, but I remember, like... Scorpion breathes fire. He's a dragon, right? Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. I think he's a dragon. I think he's a dragon. Otherwise, he's just Sub Zero. Uh, what, what kind of dragon has a skull? That yeah, is- like, <laughs> but we we impressed a lot of Mortal Kombat fiction on it. But Mortal Kombat was really good about its fiction. But you had to play through it to find it, and it was never easily accessible yeah. ever, ever up until like maybe one of the, the the gold trilogy or something like that but like when you f- we first got modems being able to look up mortal kombat bios and history and story that's one of the first things i did with the fucking internet cuz we had no option well, you know you talking about mortal kombat story mm-hmm. reminds me of just the most random thing and that there was a before there was a movie or anything for Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. there was a novel. It was one of the oh first God. video game tie-in novels not written by FX9 in the World's <laughs> Power series. This was like an actual thick paperback. Yeah. And do you know who wrote it? No. Jeff Robin, the, ar- the author of like the How to Win It Nintendo series. <laughs> and you know what his most recent claim to fame was? Huh. Going on Fox News to say, I was a fixer for the Clintons and I did bad things for them. And I believe him. Yeah, probably. I believe him. I believe him. He's, he works I mean, for Midway. He's probably disgruntled. He's, he's got the best score in Wizards and Warriors. Yeah. He's obviously, telling I think. Truth. I think his his game writing days are well behind yeah. him at this point. But, I never uh, forgave him for giving up NFL Blitz. <laughs> Had to come after him. Such a good game. Uh, well, well, kind of sports related. These are two half answers that hopefully can gel into one actual answer. But I remember being so into. MLB PA Baseball, which didn't actually have uh, team licenses, mm-hmm. that I would keep stats for everyone on my team, and also self-inserted myself on the team as one of the worst. Like, one of the players that was, like, so... D. Yeah. Rotten. Yeah. Right but, hand. But also, to that same extent, I loved Maniac Mansion so much that I dreamed up a version of Maniac Mansion that was basically Spaceballs. <laughs> Because I felt like, oh, every character in Spaceballs has their own unique power that they... Or not power, but skill. Yeah, like, some characters have the Schwartz, mm-hmm. and uh, and John Candy is half-man, half-dog. He's his own best friend. Yeah. So they all have special skills that can get you to uh, the Mega Maid. And I... Joe yeah. Rivers is an annoying robot with very yes. little lines. <laughs> uh, I think mine, when I was, when I was a kid... I was absolutely in love with Zelda 2, which is sort of huh. this weird outlier, totally. not only in terms of gameplay, but, like, tonally mm-hmm. for the Zelda series. And, like, it, it has this weird story where, like, Link has been aged up. He's a teenager now, and uh, his blood is needed to revive Ganon. And so, like, the, the fact that, like, when you died, you had the extra humiliation of knowing that, like, uh, yeah, monsters dragged off your body and used it to resurrect Ganon. 
with your blood. And so I, I came up with this thing. It's like, what if we age up the characters even further? And uh, so, like, I created my own uh, Zelda game that I was going to make because I was, you know, in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about, like, Zelda and Link's kids. And, like, I went, to, like, to extra pains to, like, look at all the way that, that things were named and, like, try to name the characters in this pseudo-Japanese way. So, mm-hmm. like, they were named uh, Rauno and Ryu, which I pronounced Ryu at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Idiots. Exactly. Everyone, everyone did. Exactly. And, like, Ryu is the little brother and, and Rauno was the protagonist and, like, started designing this game about, like, oh, what would they do? And uh, what's their story? And, like, oh, the, the sacrifice burden's been passed on to Rauno now. And he, so he has to save his parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so not not the most sophisticated, but uh, yeah. yeah. I love uh, talking about Destiny 2's lack of story with Grim, and you unlock Grim War cards, and Grim Ooh. holds the key to Grim War cards and read all of them, and can tell you the story. Please hassle him on Twitter at Super <laughs> uh, about the about Destiny One story. So, what game did you make a story about in your head? Mm. Let us know. Go to lasertimepodcast.com/slash/forums. First person to start the thread by asking and answering the question of the week. It's read first on next week's show. Alternately, you can go into the comments for episode 231 on com or uh, answering the Laser Time community. Facebook. Facebook. Sorry, the Laser mm-hmm. Time community on Facebook. There you go. Uh, so that's been our show. It's oh been my God, I'm tired. extremely yeah. long. What? Thanks what? for bearing with us. Um, um, plug in Significant yes. Zero by yes. our buddy Walt Williams. Heroes, villains, and the fight for art and soul in video games. It's out September 19th. Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. It's it's a really fun look into the makings of a video game and Mm -hmm. crunch and uh, just being miserable (laughs) while working in what's supposed to be a very fun industry. Um, It's like the yin and yang. There is is, great pride Mm -hmm. and accomplishment but also yeah you will yeah. feel like absolute shit and and me. it's especially interesting for someone like me who is sort of like hovering around the periphery of mm-hmm. these companies he's talking about when these games were being made and so i was like oh that's what was going on mm. that's interesting yeah he's also on twitter walt yeah. d williams and it's, it's not just spec ops uh he also talks about like mafia 2 the first two bioshock games a bunch of other things it is uh, it's a really interesting read i i recommend it and if you go to patreon.com slash laser time, uh, this show and others on the laser time network might still exist. How about that? We, but we give you an exclusive show every week. Learn exactly how, uh, disappointed I was with the 4K of the PS4 Pro and Destiny 2 and how Dave met the Hardy Boys. Yes, at the what? airport with a giant barbecue yeah. stain on my pants. Yeah. It's a it's a long the Hardy thorough, Boys, the Hardy Boys, not, Red, the, the, not, not the Nancy Drew mystery oh, okay. solving who are not God real damn, people. Michael, yeah, I'm well, talking that's about. What I was gonna say it's like oh, I went to the anime convention, mm. and met Krillin, got him to sign my cup. <laughs> I'm talking about the pro wrestling tag team, the Hardy Boys, yes. who are oh. real people who do real things for a living. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, the. Patreon.com slash Laser Times also oh, home to so many commentaries. We're going to do a done. commentary we just decided just this moment yes. 
for the original Kingsman. A yes. fucking great, great movie. movie. Most people, Michael's not even reacting because you haven't seen Kingsman. I haven't seen it. It's oh. fucking great. It might be you one of the best superhero lived. movies the last five years. It's going to have it, a sequel is coming out that might yeah. bomb terribly. Yeah. But it's probably great because the first one is. With uh, Pedro, what's his, I can't remember his last name, the guy from Narcos and uh, Game of oh, Thrones. Oh, shit, I love that dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the new narrator in the new Narcos. And yeah. Colin Firth. Yeah. Who is supposedly dead, but they put it in the trailer. It's no, the, he's got an eye patch. That means he survived the yeah. He got injury. shot in the head. Oh, and wow. like it's it's one of the greatest scenes in the history in like the last ten years of movies in the, in the original Kingsman, yeah. where he uh, meets his maker, but apparently doesn't, and uh, he comes back, and so so does Jeff Bridges. Uh, what's that guy's name from Magic Mike? Uh, Jeez, I lost it. Halle Channing Berry, Tatum? Channing Tatum. <laughs> I'm drunk. Let me let me just die. Uh, so I always remember uh, because he channels taters. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash Shazer Time is also the home of the 30 2010 bonus show. 30 2010, of course, is the show where we go 10, 20, and 30 years back in time to talk about the movies, music, television, and video games that were popular. Way I've heard television <laughs> pronounced television. ever. Television, yes. <laughs> Television. But we just you re- pronounced the hyphens of the 1950s. <laughs> Teenagers. Uh, yeah, but we recently talked about Final Fantasy VII, which is 20 yeah. years old. 20 years and old. Uh, to you know, to tie back to Walt Williams, we talked about Bioshock a couple weeks yep. ago. So it's a uh, Bioshock, uh, ten years time old, and, and and fucking Goldeneye. 20, I, I, yeah. The Goldeneye and Final Fantasy VII coming out in the U.S. within a within, week. That's insane. Like that didn't register with me at all. I feel like they were eons I, apart. I know I had, like, barely any friends and no dates, but, yeah. like, how did I have the time for the both For of those? real. That That's seems crazy. ridiculous. <laughs> 30 2010, good show. Talking Simpsons, yeah. good show as well. Laser time. Next week, I think we'll be talking about uh, weird pilots. Yeah. Uh, for television, as the television season starts uh, and is allegedly terrible. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Don't watch the Orville, apparently. Well, Video Game Apocalypse is also a good show, and if you've been mm-hmm. with us this long, you should subscribe. You should, uh, Follow at VG Apocalypse on Twitter or me personally at at Wikiparas. Oh, and 302010 is on Spotify now. So tell a friend who likes Spotify. We don't have a lot of our shows on Spotify. It's cool to get there. Uh, Neat. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. That's been our show. We'll see you next week. the Capcom section so, all this weird shit yeah like okay like seriously there's <clears> so much stuff up here that like Dream Master box holy shit yeah. this god disposable assassin my pet monster is like tugging I wanted it so bad and I never had that it. is an eBay purchase yeah. that we were gonna watch that did you ever see the made for video movie thing that they made I think I did actually. I I was obsessed with this little kid my parent w- wouldn't let me get that yeah. so like alright we're gonna do a commentary for that and now I get to, it's a mm-hmm. it's a set expense <laughs> that it, I get to buy on eBay that's he's got the chains that yeah, makes him really I, expensive I think yeah. I just wanted that because of the chains because like yeah. I want to put on the chains and break them and like impress my friends yeah, the cha- somehow the chains because like they don't know the pr- about this toy the chains <laughs> double the price on eBay you can find any no, fucking really? plushie yeah yeah if someone has the chains intact I got it for I got that for like maybe a hundred but like it goes for two to three with chains. Does it impress your friends for no, with no chains? <laughs> Has it impressed your friends that you bl- broke plastic orange 
handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Trust I, me, Dave. I, I didn't really think that yeah. far into it when I was a kid. You know, I was <laughs> suckered like, in by Mark. Mary McCheese like a recipe, else. but I got out. <laughs>